Decomposing Worm, a worm analysis podcast. That's Clarence. He's the first-time reader and literary expert. And that was Matthias. He's read the story before. In this 12-episode series, we're using critical theory to explore the superhero web serial worm from a broader perspective, covering worm in six 300,000-ish word chunks. Mm -hmm. And today uh, is part one of book five, Overview. Here we're going to close read arcs 23 through 26, kind of taking a plot-based examination of the story in uh, more of a linear fashion. So we're kind of pulling different emerging themes as we go along. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as usual, this is a full spoilers discussion and spoilers start immediately. So if you haven't read arcs 23 through 26 or you just need a refresher, go ahead and uh, go read those before you listen to this. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just get into this. Uh, so, so real quick, just to to recap, this section uh, covers the behemoth fight, uh, the in between the the big time skips, and uh, the slaughterhouse nine thousand before uh, we we get the uh, entity interlude and understand what the the final yeah. battle is going to be about. Uh, so, what were your feelings about the section of worm, Clarence? Mm, it, I really liked it a lot. I know I say that every time. But like it was, it was. I really the I live for this kind of moment of of like training, you know, in all mm-hmm. the stories. Like I like the the points where it's like they're they're kind of getting ready and gearing up for something, and and I think that's what I really liked about the time skip of it. But also, just like it was really interesting how much time passed because some of the mm-hmm. other ones it it happened so quickly. Like everything was really kind of jam packed. And it was, it was, you know, just like a really tough couple of months. But then with this one, it kind of like, there was so much more time to kind of, you know, move in and out of, of knowing and unknowing, I think, which is a really good way to kind of approach the, the last end, you know, the kind of the, the last stand kind of battle. Yeah, there's a lot that we, we either don't see or we don't see it from Taylor's perspective. Uh, mm-hmm. You pointed out uh, here how the ending of both of the climactic fights in the section, um, the behemoth fight and the um, fight against Jack, we see yeah. from the perspectives of Chevalier and Gollum, not from Taylor's perspective. And so we, we, we don't really feel that conclusion as in the same immediacy, at least not mm-hmm. in the same feeling that we, we have the rest of the story. And because yeah. there's so many time skips, we kind of do have this greater distance from... Taylor, because we do get a little less familiar with her as she, you know, grows up and two years pass with her getting supremely focused on this one task. Yeah, we don't really see the like, like, you know, day by day sort of shifts in her mentality. And we've gotten Mm -hmm. really used to to kind of, you know, watching that develop as we're really like kind of closely following her earlier on. It was it was really mm-hmm. interesting kind of shift. Yeah, uh, I think in in previous reads of Worm, I th- there there was a part of me I think that I was like we aren't seeing all the the growth that's happening in these two years, and mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's like unrealistic because like three months there was a ton of growth, and then and and these like I mean she certainly changes, but it's only the amount of change where you can still like you can just detect them rather than an, an entirely new character right yeah, yeah like the 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 tailor of arc one is more different from the tailor of arc 22 than the one of arc 23 is to the one in, in 26 um, yeah yeah i think so i think but i then you know thinking about it i actually don't think that's actually that strange like there's moments in your life that 
um, especially extended moments with <laughs> extremely high stakes, like mm-hmm. happens with Taylor and huge moments of, of change that really do just redefine you as a person. And you do continue to change beyond that. But that's more like, like stability. Mm-hmm. And and you do maybe reflect on on that smaller period of time more than you do in the day to day after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, definitely kind of these acute periods of time of change. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just made me think of of evolution. You know, that's how they. Oh yeah. Like there's mm-hmm. these acute periods of like dramatic shifts, and then there's like mm-hmm. instead of just like a gradual sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a yeah a good comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's get into the uh, section by section uh, summary. Yes, here we go. So, as usual, as we go through these, uh, please remember it's impossible for us to stop and mention every beat of every through line. Uh, we're, we're I basically try to stick to the biggest moments here and try to consolidate some of the emotions. We're going to miss so much mm-hmm. because <laughs> so much happens in these arcs. Uh, like we we could have done a whole decomposing worm on. Uh, just the first two and then the next two and then the last one. Yeah, um, so But dense. for that, you can go listen to We've Got Worm. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it's not like uh, it, those things are not getting noted. So Yeah. Um, okay, so let's go. Yes. So we start off with Arc 23, Drone, in which Taylor pretends to be a ward. Mm-hmm. She tries so, so hard. Had... <laughs> she beginning. does try so hard at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's... She she tries in her she tries to be a very specific thing that is not the uh, prototypical hero. I don't think yeah. that's ever her goal. So we catch up with Taylor in prison uh, and and see how she's been doing before Defiant comes to take her to basically do some trial runs with uh, the Protectorate. Mm-hmm. So they test her with a fight against the adepts uh, after she meets some of the wards and they kind of <laughs> talk with her and show some animosity. Yeah. Uh, while Clockblocker also says like how they want her on on their side mm-hmm. um until they go with them to pick up pretender before cauldron appears and makes the mission a bust uh yeah. she has to kind of go all out even though they're telling her to use butterflies um but because uh contessa to pretender they still lost and uh, the vegas team goes rogue mm-hmm. yeah it's she's gotten so used to like she has such a specific way of approaching every battle that she goes into, every fight or every skirmish that, like, when when her tools have been, like, manipulated and she's, like, not in her comfort zone of, like, her utility belt and, like, she she knows who she's with. Like, I she I think she feels very, like, like a fish out of water sort of thing. Like, she's very mm-hmm. unsteady, you know? Um, but before we yeah. get into, like... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's fine. I was just gonna agree. Oh, um... Before we get into like the the like deeper like plot stuff, I really wanted to talk about her in prison mm-hmm. um, because like I was super surprised that she was in like a regular facility, I guess, with like yeah. just regular people. Mm-hmm. I just it just seemed like I mean, are there other are there like lower scale prisons besides the birdcage that hold parahumans? Because it just seemed mm-hmm. like the facility was like. It feels like they were putting all the other individuals in danger because of her. Yeah. Like, being there. I don't know. It yeah. just seemed like a strange place to put her. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's just one of those um, parts of this world that is just where they 
have maladapted to the presence of parahumans. They're still following mm-hmm. these old rules and they just don't know what to do with them, I think. Yeah. Uh, on the other hand, it, she's also, you know, promising cooperation. And so they're kind of rewarding her with a, a, a less, a more comfortable cell, right? She gets to read a bunch. Her prison mm-hmm. state's not that bad <laughs> compared to uh, every other uh, take of on, on prison yeah. that is in this. Um, at, the, th- at the same time, though... Um, Stuff like uh, her noticing all the the lice on all the prisoners and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not only uncomfortable to her. It's also like, I mean, that's kind of a big privacy violation to every single prisoner. Yeah, to isn't all it? of those other like, like that's ah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it just seemed like such a like a she seemed so out of place there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like all the people who were like kind of creating these like procedural, you know, um, you know, state grinding kind of you know whatever's. Um, actions upon her it just i don't know it just seemed like it was they didn't have really any control over her i mm-hmm. guess or it was like more of like a facade kind of control yeah yeah i mean yeah she's there by choice she could definitely escape if she wanted to yeah so i guess i guess it was more uh, of just like a trial mm-hmm. yeah. and so speaking of so regarding all the the license things uh so she did that without like telling the warden right mm-hmm. so that's mm-hmm. i mean like i it's totally. I I think she makes a good argument of like why she should be allowed to take the lice off of the body, out of off of the their genitals, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was it was definitely a secret thing, and we we see that she actually is still being conniving. That the, the mm-hmm. distrust is valid because when she gets back and the the warden sets up that bug zapper, she ends up using all the corpses to feed spiders so so she can make make a new costume. So yeah. it's like. <laughs> she always goes, why don't you trust me, you know, and, and is annoyed by all the restrictions while also actively trying to circumvent all the restrictions. Yeah. It's just, she's so used to, like, that. that's the way that she, like, began is her, her like, mm-hmm. caped identity, right? Is that, like, is sort of, like, stockpiling in these secret places and, and kind of accumulating her own knowledge and, and skills and uh, utilities or, I guess, yeah, like, resources. Yeah. Um, that when she, when she kind of is placed in this situation where she has to comply fully um, with authority. She does. She doesn't have any like any structures that reflect that to fall back on. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where it's like she's so like she is. She's kind of you know instilled it so deep within herself to mm-hmm. always have something up her sleeve that no one else knows. Yeah. That when she's it's- forced to kind of you know be totally open and follow all these guidelines, she's kind of like. Mm. I can't. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Like, maybe that's why her passenger just does so much all the time, and why um, mm-hmm. Sion calls her shard so uh, mature is like, she never stops ever, yeah, even yeah. when she's resting. Um, so to to move on a little bit, so she then confronts Glenn for um, who is the person kind of in charge of the PRT's PR uh, for making her use butterflies in a real serious combat situation. And this is kind of a coalescing moment for her frustrations of being a hero so far. Mm-hmm. They put rules on her, and um, she wants to break them, and then they put m- more rules on top of that. And, I mean, she failed that test, too, um, mm-hmm. of only using butterflies. Because to, to, to be a hero is to like keep up the, that good image, even when things are really hard and, and dangerous. Yeah, she, she really struggles with this this concept of non-lethality and, like sticking Mm -hmm. like remaining within the confines of what she's been handed yeah 
Yeah. Like, like with the adepts, that's low stakes enough that she could use butterflies, and she basically mm-hmm. only used butterflies there. Uh, but with anything where like anyone's an actual risk, which is very common with parahumans, like mm-hmm. people are are at risk all the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she can't justify holding back. Yeah. Well, because she um, wants. Did you want to like, do it? Mm-hmm. Oh, she wants to like no, succeed. You know, like she mm-hmm. has. She like so she's so ins- like used to kind of pulling out all the stops to like make sure that it works out the way that she wants it to, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she always has yeah. something else that she can like, you know, she she never, you know, gives up with her fighting. She never gives up trying to find another way to to kind of yeah. work around whatever the situation is, but then she she's kind of confronted with this fear, I think, that that there that her kind of inability to stop has been the only reason that she has won so much, I guess. Because, like, she doesn't yeah. know how to, to, like, deal with the concept that she, like, could not win, I guess. Or that the Vegas fight <laughs> ended up being... That she can let herself lose. Yeah. yeah. And it, it it really also just puts a perspective on why the heroes lose so much and why, mm-hmm. why they've won so much. They really are, you know, having to follow all these restrictions and... Taylor would never <laughs> let mm-hmm. herself follow restrictions in, in favor of winning. So, yeah. Uh, so, um, we meet Glenn, and I actually like, we end up really liking Glenn, I think, even though mm-hmm. he's kind of set up in the beginning as sort of like an antagonistic to Taylor. Yeah. But he's kind of smart alecky, and he's just interesting and fun. So, I think we grow to like him pretty fast. Yeah, because well, he, he explains himself so much more than, or, or like, he he's willing to explain in in the words that that taylor would be able to understand i guess mm-hmm. that in ways that like none of the other prt individuals could right you know yeah yeah he's very interesting um he's he's very aware of his like precarity i think of his position mm-hmm. you know where he's like he actively he he's like P- uh pago where like he actively creates like a physical persona in opposition to everyone else around him yeah yeah. Yeah, and, and and both of them were also concerned with PR a lot more than a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. Uh. Oh, let's let's mention the letters. I didn't actually write that down. Oh um, yes, <gasps> the letters. Taylor receives a bunch of letters from from the undersiders, uh, oh. with which are varying degrees of of sweet. Yeah. Um. There's some notable ones. I mean, they're all notable, obviously, yeah, but uh, yeah. Rachel's in particular, which is transcribed by her her best minion mm-hmm. and uh, Imps, which is just ha 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 ha. What the fuck? <laughs> which is wonderful. Yes, they were so great. Yeah, every interaction of the Undersiders within all of these arcs is just. I really like all of them, most of them. I mean, you know, all the like the emotional ones. Um, I mean, I, I liked Imps too. <laughs> yeah, I liked Imps. Yeah, Imp was, yeah. was um, I think Brian's, though, was really, like, mm-hmm. devastating, I think. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it's, like, that's really horrible. Like, that it's it's the worst day since after, like, his second trigger event, like, where he couldn't, I, that's just, I don't know. He, I, he, that's I, bad. I, I yeah. feel like there was, a, there was a listener question a while ago about, like, which, which um, character, like, would need therapy the most. And I feel like... Mm-hmm. He really, cause like, it, he it's he's still at the Brian. point, yeah. Cause like at the po- he's at the point where he cannot function, you know. Yeah. In like everyday situations, which I feel like, 
we a lot of the a lot of the times like in the larger fights he does he he doesn't stick around very long because yeah. of that which is I don't know. That's just so heartbreaking. Yeah, it's like I, everyone else I around wonder, him is kind mm-hmm. of like, well, we have things to do, so like you just go like sit a- away in your corner, and like we'll we'll mm-hmm. go back to fighting, you know. So yeah, I don't know. I just he needs to be like a priority to somebody. To somebody, yeah, yeah. I I wonder if he ended up getting therapy within those those two years. Yeah, uh, like I feel like I, he I mean, perhaps could. He seems I, more I, like. I, he seems more stable, but he does not seem happy either. So yeah, no, no, he didn't. Um, oh, Brian. Yeah. So um, Taylor then has a therapy session with Doctor mm-hmm. Yamada, which is so just just so delightful that it happens. Like, yes. uh, I, I still re- I think remember just the the joy of being like, oh, <laughs> she's she's meeting with our favorite therapist. Woo! Finally. Uh, I know. And uh, so she ends up talking about how she's worried about her her passenger, mm-hmm. and um, she chooses to have a therapist versus having an advocate and talking about her feelings for the first time in forever. It feels like. Yeah, I know. This is it's it's wild that she like. I feel like this is this is what I was saying both um, earlier of like she has time to kind of sit and like sort through everything that happens that has happened and like will happen and all of this like and I feel like. Um, Yamada like is is the perfect space or like creates the perfect space for that because mm-hmm. there's there's just so much that she hasn't processed about herself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the first lull she's had. Even even if this, these sections are still intense, she does have some some actual downtime now, mm-hmm. and she can start to figure herself herself out. Yeah, yeah. But the, she does bring up a really interesting point that I feel like we touched on a couple of episodes ago about like if capes or like if parahumans are like where does where does this like you know penchant for violence come from or like some mm-hmm. like all of them that yeah. are like prepared for physical altercations that sort of thing um mm-hmm. yeah i feel because it, it becomes like is that just the passenger or is it the passenger kind of activating that that pinch like that intrinsic sense of violence yeah. in the individuals or like you know, like how did how did the entity ha 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 how did they like pick out individuals to hold on to all these things? Yeah. So yeah. In, in that that section, there is like a line that says basically like where they need a nudge towards violence, they get one. Basically, something mm-hmm. like that. But that doesn't necessarily like if someone is already violent, it does. It seems like they don't need that nudge, that right? Nudge, yeah. And if, yeah. You're already giving people who are in very unstable situations basically a gun to hold at all times and. There's other people with guns that want to find them, so they will join or or otherwise, um, you know, be alongside them, mm-hmm. right? If you give someone a bunch of power and there's a bunch of other people with power, like, inevitably, basically, there ends up being violence. Like, like for example, like, Parian, right? She's mm-hmm. not a violent person at all. Yeah. She just ends up in violence all the time, even if she's actually very averse to it. Yeah, she's kind of, like, forced into the situations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, On the... On the question of uh, the self, right, where Taylor is wondering uh, how much of her actions are her passengers, how much are them are mm-hmm. hers, and is there, like, a difference between the two? And I think this is, like, a great basis for a metaphor on mental illness that I think about. Mm, yes, like, yes. It, it, it's a question that I think about a lot where it's, like, we classify our mental illnesses as, like, separate. Like, I mean, not everyone, obviously, but... 
Yeah, but there's the, so much of it dictates this, our behaviors and actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's the, this sort of discursal trend where it's like, or is that... There, there's some narrative that basically is like, these the, these thoughts are not you. They are mm-hmm. an, an other that is not part of you. But it is you, right? It is yeah. part of your personality. And even if you don't want it, like, that is the self that you are performing at this mm-hmm. moment, right? Mm-hmm. So it is as you as any other part of yourself, even if it is classified as a, as one that, that shouldn't be. Yeah, yeah. There's still, like, it's still you doing the thinking or doing the actions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good metaphor, though, I think. Um, did you, you had something about uh, improving tactically? Oh, yes. Yeah. She, well, it's just she can never turn it off. That, that like, need mm-hmm. to improve, you know? Because even, even when she's, like, having this huge discussion about, like, her autonomy over her body and her actions and her power, she's still, like, I could fix that. The, like, the yellow lenses that are visible in her, like, swarm of bugs. Which, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't remember if this is in this particular moment or earlier when she's watching the video of herself. But she, definitely, ha- she definitely has, like, this, like, duality, like, two different, you know, branches of thought. Where it's like she's having this big existential crisis, but at the same time she's still thinking about those tactical improvements. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Where she's like, "Where did I never learned that trick?" But also, it's a useful one. Yeah. Um, or she's uh. at least appreciating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that same interlude, Taylor then goes with Yamada to go and talk to some kids about how drugs are great, actually. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they they do um, a Weaver dice thing. She talks to the the most vulnerable kids there. Um, and so she talks here and in other places in these arcs, uh, basically this sentiment about how when she was the warlord of Brockton Bay, she had everything she would have wanted, right? She was rich, mm-hmm. she was famous, uh, she was helping her community, uh, but it was dangerous and it didn't make her happy. Uh, and I, I don't know if it's here or another place, but basically emphasizing that like it was the, the people that were what she misses the most, not any of the other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it was sort of like a fight all the time, you know, like there was like mm-hmm. she had the people that she wa- loved and all of this. But like she there wasn't a, a moment to breathe at all when when she was yeah. kind of on top of everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I love this talk, one, because it's just really, really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but also it's one of those times where Taylor actually does articulate her internal internal feelings where they don't show up in her narration, like with the talk with uh, Brian in, in his interlude. Mm, yes. Uh, and it's also really clear from how she talks about her time as a villain that she still feels that she did far more good there than she is being in the protectorate. Yeah. And she talks here in a, some other places about how she makes a pretty lousy hero. Um, and her, like her emphasis in this conversation is that being a ward is the safer option, but she doesn't state that it's the better one. Yeah, yeah. It it kind of felt like she was supposed to be headed that direction, but then she got interrupted with the whole like yeah. behemoth sort of thing. But then, yeah, it 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 felt like she was headed that way, but not necessarily yeah. like fast enough because she definitely like th- she definitely was able to articulate the ambiguity. I think of yeah being like a warlord versus being a hero and all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think this is the moment that I really started because before I was just kind of like going along kind of you know reading through her her like immediate experiences but it, it, this particular moment got me thinking about how much like autonomy she has lost mm-hmm. over like all the decisions that she makes 
and like all of the like micromanaging that she has like grown really accustomed to where she's mm-hmm. like doing, you know, even when we think back to the moment when she's like brushing her hair and brushing her teeth and getting ready to go out and she's thinking about all the things that she has to do um, before the like the arc 20 at the beginning of arc 20 where yeah. it's like she has like this huge list of things that she's the only one that makes those decisions and she's the only one kind of taking care of yeah. all those things. And suddenly she's like, it's, it's totally Not gone even in control of herself. Yeah. 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 Where she's like constantly surrounded by people and she doesn't have any sort of like, you know, solitude at all. So she has to like literally like restructure the way that she approaches everything. Um, yeah. So I feel like that, like she's right. She's like so disappointed in how, much she feels like she's failing at being hero but i feel like it's perfectly understandable you know like because that's a that's a huge task to undertake i think yeah yeah in such a short period of time too Mm -hmm. i'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure this is only like like what a week or two after she went to prison i I forget the the date but it's pretty fast yeah yeah So speaking of, that's when they get the behemoth notification, Mm -hmm. and uh, which is some some great dramatic timing after she just said that there's twenty five percent death rate on on the good days. Yeah, which is not (laughs) encouraging. Uh. I mean, it's a great way to like just remind us of of the. There's a lot of build up to it because we we have this chapter and then like two more where it's just like waiting to to see behemoth and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it's really built up as him being a, a hero killer and, and starting off being devastating. Yeah. So uh, so on, on the way there, uh, Dragon and Defiant take her there, and uh, they have some little bonding moments, the, the two of them with, with her, and uh, they give her a jetpack, which is pretty cool. Um, they tell her not to talk to the Undersiders, and so she immediately talks to the <laughs> immediately Undersiders. Immediately goes over there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. she's so frustratingly funny like like it's one thing the the whole the decision of we are going to go support the undersiders is a is a really valid one like, yeah yeah like i i think that one is very justifiable even without taylor's justifications right because it's all tactical this is an endbringer fight where they just need to do the best they can mm-hmm. etc but like this is before the fight and she was just told not to i know um yeah. Oh. Yeah. But it's uh yeah, it's this very sweet moment where where they have some nice talk. Regent is uh continuously bemoaning how everyone is setting themselves up for death, uh, which is a nice ironic foreshadowing. Yeah. Um ah. Also though, um there's there's like it's really interesting to see the comparison between the Chicago wards and the undersiders because she's mm-hmm. kind of like trying to figure out everybody in the Chicago wards but like when she sees the undersiders it's like less it doesn't even take her like a minute to figure out exactly where everybody stands mm-hmm. like emotionally yeah. physically like their their mental headspace like all of this like she's very aware immediately of how all of them are doing mm-hmm. um which is so sweet yeah I, was, like, I, was I, I really worried. like how yeah, yeah. It's, especially with Rachel, I think that is the one that is the most kind of satisfying of like checking in on her, where mm-hmm. we're like, okay, you know, she's not super happy about things, but like they're cool, right? Yeah, and that yeah. I think it, that's, I, I mean, through these arcs, their their relationship is so lovely. Oh my gosh, uh, there's so many little bonding moments where they like fall asleep against one another. Oh, yeah, it's so I, sweet. Yeah, it's yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. 
I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just um, Rachel's whole. She just makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you wrote here that you have a <laughs> a question about the bison creatures. <gasps> yes. Yes, I did. That way, it was really just an aside. But you know, I was you know, I I went on that whole like wondering tirade about all the possibilities of like the other world of like not being disrupted uh-huh. by humans. Yeah. So it's like these uh-huh. bison creatures that like are supposedly bisons, but like they haven't been, they haven't encountered. I mean, perhaps the mastodons and all of like the large, like what if they're all still around, you know, because like they didn't, they wouldn't get killed off. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I, I think the the ones that Rachel hunts are actual bison, but you do oh. make an excellent point. If Alas. if there weren't, if, if humans died out before they followed over the, um, that, yeah, because well, that, that uh, was how called? the mastodons the... and all of them, like, that's how they yeah. all died yeah. is because all of these, Oh, like... my gods. Yeah. This universe has giant sloths. <gasps> it still has the giant sloths. Wouldn't that be... It should, anyway. Ah, I, it, I hope it does. Yeah, that me too. That would make me so happy. I want to see a v- version of Rachel's power where it's, it's giant sloths. <gasps> it doesn't work on dogs. It works on giant sloths. That's oh. what I want. Is, is her... Does it extend... Like, th- would she have encountered more, like wolves do you think in the other world or like do you think it works say again do you think she's encountered like other um like dog adjacent beings like wolves or like i do want to know what like her limit is on her like like do like uh, like, is it just dogs or like different species i like that sort of thing i think it it's anything in the in the canis Canis family, which is mostly just wolves and dogs, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. um, mm. there's some there's some word of God about uh what Rachel would be like if her power worked on cats. So um, oh when when we finish worm, I'll I'll send that to you. Yeah, it's fun. I feel like she would be a vastly different person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow even worse. Yeah. Um, like worse off, I mean to say. Um. Uh, so, so moving on. So you also have some stuff here about yes. the mixing of yeah. Skitter's also, costume. Also, it was really. I think it was really symbolic too that that she's been trying to f- fit into this role of Weaver, um, and she feels like she's not really fitting in. And then so now she kind of like takes this moment to like don the Skitter costume again. But then she she has dragon's wings that have been gifted the jetpack. So it's like this sort of like blending of her identities where she kind of like is stepping into this, like, new role that she's kind of established for herself, where she's kind of taking, you know, a little bit of autonomy back into herself, um, but then not, like, yeah. stepping backwards, you know what I mean? Yeah, it really, like, it literally reflects her idea of finding an, a, a middle ground between her old identity and her new. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a lot you can read into how the costumes works because like in in the wake of her switching sides she's kind of defenseless like the the costume they give her doesn't have a spider silk and it's it's over a period of time where she starts building that back up again and Mm -hmm. building her defenses and finding her new identity um and this one is is different i don't know exactly how you would read into like all the notions of the jetpack but i think that's that's a good point too i mean she's like just some points to build off of would be like She's off the ground, right? She's not, um, like, I guess, I, I mean, in, in, in these arcs, she literally, she's less grounded, literally, but she also, mm-hmm. the, the narration's a lot more, I, I don't want to say floaty, but, like, with all those time skips, right, we're not on the ground level as much, right? Yeah, we're not kind of, oh, it's very, like, like the, the 
literary concept of like street level versus like aerial view. Yeah. 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 That's sort of like back and forth. We get that a lot. It's also yeah. interesting because she, she, instead of, you know, kind of gifting all of the costumes, she's like receiving these gifts from Dragon, mm-hmm. which this is the second gift of Dragon's. Um, which one was the first? Because didn't Dragon contribute to the Weaver costume? Oh, she gave, yeah, the, yes, the first, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The design. Yeah. Yeah. She was kind of the first one that we saw too that was from the protectorate or like of the protectorate that was kind of like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I should, you know, like there has to be something more to Skitter. And this was like way yeah. at the beginning, you know? I don't know. It's yeah. very interesting. Yeah. It's also increased cooperation, I think. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot you can read into, into there. This is, it's, uh, Wadbo always does a lot with, with costumes and, um, the evolution of, of Weaver's costumes and abilities and stuff, I think, is a really um, yeah, it's just been a, quite the a really good place to analyze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted to take a moment before we kind of jump ahead to talk about um, Tecton and kind of like mm-hmm. how much it, I, it was just so very interesting that he, we first encounter him when she is kind of in her element, right? She like. Mm-hmm. We, there's this really interesting moment where all of the wards are kind of like in the background, sort of like the mm-hmm. the audience on stage in a Shakespeare play where, and then like her and Tattletail are having their whole conversation and making all these plans and like doing all this stuff. I mean, so he really gets like a first row seat to a lot of like her like later leadership displays, mm-hmm. I guess. Cause, um, so it's interesting that he, he is, he's sat down and kind of like thought through picking out specific people to make a team that she could lead. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just, it's very mm. interesting that he kind of like had her in mind when he was like putting everybody together. Yeah. Cause he's, he's yeah. sort of seen her multiple different times step in as the authority, not just like be appointed the authority, but like as she is want to do, just kind of jump in and, and, and um, take on that role. Right. And so yeah. when, when he like hands her the baton, um, so to say, now she like immediately jumps in. It's like, okay, I can do this, and she starts like analyzing all of her, all of the like individuals, and kind of putting up this sort of like her the the way that she did with the travelers, where she was like cataloging before the before the um, uh, fight began. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Tecton is 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 really interesting because he's he is like the charismatic leader, like mm-hmm. in in the wards, right. Uh, there was the talk about who's the heart of the team in the Brockton Bay wards, mm-hmm. and I think Tecton sort of is here, but he's never—he's not the on the field leader. Like he's—he's yeah. he's the, the lieutenant essentially to to Weaver and all the the confrontations we see because he really really trusts her. Um, yeah, which is so interesting that, to me mm-hmm. that he like mm-hmm. he places so much trust within her so like readily. Yeah, but then we see later that he like he acknowledges. The, like shortcomings of her too, mm-hmm. but like in a way that like it doesn't undermine her, um, her like leading authority. Yeah, yeah. Like when uh, we're we're skipping way ahead, but yeah, when sorry. in um no, I mean that's that's what we're doing here. In Theo's interlude, he talks to uh Theo and mentions how during the the fight later on against Topsy, she pushes like Cuff way too hard, mm-hmm. and Cuff is like more or less. It, not permanently damaged but didn't it, it was really bad for her mm-hmm. and like that's not a good 
tactical decision either. Like they they won the fight, but like the long term mental effect was not great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what? Yeah, was it worth it just to to take down this this small town small time villain? I, yeah. I mean, comparatively. but I feel like Skitter, like like Taylor does that. That that's like a skitter tactic. If we're mm-hmm. if we're kind of like you know breaking it up into different things, like because she did that with Sundancer too, mm-hmm. where she kind of like pushes beyond what they're willing to go because she doesn't think about yeah. it. like she doesn't think about the the ramifications. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, even even with yeah, like, she um, that conversation she has with Clockblocker in the mm-hmm. in the van when she's like the you know quote unquote hostage. Um, right. Where she's kind of like, oh, I didn't realize how how much of an impact what I've done has made on the people that she was like terrorizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess she just she just thinks very like short term sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the people she's working with are more tools in her toolbox, and mm-hmm. kind of, uh, in 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 that um, Theo interlude, it's pointed out basically she uses them how. She uses her allies as she sees fit and until they, like, fail her. And mm-hmm. then she doesn't re- try to rely on them anymore. Like with Cuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because so, so, like, immediately during the fight, she's, like, Cuff's, Cuff's kind of, like, struggling a bit with the behemoth fight. And then yeah. Taylor's, like, stop freaking out. All of us are, like, freaked out. Like, there's no... Yeah. It's, it's fucked up for all of us. Like, stop you're, worrying. Yeah, you're not... You're not special for being afraid for your life. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like that's, goodness. Yeah, it, it, yeah. She's just she's more annoyed with Cuff for not being prepared to to face a very likely death scenario, like a like yeah. almost a, a more than a slightly less than fifty percent chance of death, basically. I know. Goodness. I mean, she knows how to handle her team. Like, she knows the emotional like mm-hmm. waves. I guess of well, some of she kind of kind of. Really, I feel like it's kind of limited to, like, Rachel, you know? Yeah. That she, like, fully understands how to navigate the emotional landscape. But, like, so mm-hmm. often she's just kind of, like, she hands people off to other people. Yeah. To be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you want to talk about the Thonda here or uh, later on? Mm, later on. I also okay. may I may want to, like, uh, discuss that n- next episode where sure. I, like, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we end arc 23 with Cody's interlude. Uh, yes. After uh, he was handed off to Accord, he was sold to the Yangban and uh, was brainwashed and brought into their sort of uh, cult-like mm-hmm. squadron of uh, mixed powers, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and he's more miserable. He He's more than miserable. He's reduced to a number. Um, and he's working with them to help them uh, capture wounded capes to then be added to the young bond. Uh, except he sees Accord, the one who sold him, sold him, and it awakens his anger, and he's able to get away um, with the Seamurg singing in his head. Maybe it never stopped singing. Yeah. Um, encouraging him to use his anger. Uh, he goes to the headquarters. He confronts uh, Accord, Chevalier, and Tattletail fights and takes down Chevalier, which is kind of really impressive, actually. Like he's like he's a pretty that he com- like comparatively that he... like minor cape. Yeah, he took down the leader of the Protectorate yeah, on his own. That was because that was so I mean, wild. The Yangban are strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like... He then slices Accord up and 
almost kills Tattletail, uh, but decides to, decides to spare her. Yeah. And the defense is now leaderless. Yeah. Tattletail really, like, faces death a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like Tattletail's, like, always kind of ending up in these situations. Even though she's, like, usually, like, far away, it always finds her. But, I don't know, mm-hmm. Cody's so terribly alone, you know? Like, for, like, a really long... Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of that, like, the, the concept of loneliness and, like, solitude. But, like, a solitude that's, like, empty and horrible and sad uh, yeah. throughout these, particularly these um, arcs. You know, and he's... I don't know, it just... He seems so alone, surrounded by all these people. Like, even with the travelers, and then, like, like leader with the uh, Yangban. They're, like... Mm-hmm. It's just... It's... I don't know. It's just such a. It's it's like a really bad situation to be alone and then also surrounded by people. You know. Yeah. Because I feel like it. Like I mean, I know he's like not a great person, but like I don't know. I just. I mean, no one deserves to be in the young bond. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm sure every one of them, even the ones that are like the proudest to be there, are pretty miserable. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're very. I w- I wanted to use the metaphor of like the Borg, but upon further reflection, I don't think that they're quite like the Borg because they still retain individuality enough like enough to be unhappy in, like with, yeah with the interior self they each have their own mind yeah. within like that they are trapped in you know even if they are yeah. like within this group mentality yeah yeah man yeah. I wonder what they would do with like a power that lets them like link minds or something to be truly co- collectivized oh my gosh um yeah because I know there's a there's there's some not telepathic power. I, I think, or what was it? But like some sort of communicative. Yeah, there was some communicative power. I think, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, I don't remember which one. But yeah, if they had something like that, where they were just in constant communication with each other, oh then man. they then they would be like a Borg or the Borg. Yeah. Sorry, I should I should. There's there's only one article to put in front of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I was super surprised yeah. that like. Because at the beginning, I was kind of like, oh, well, you know, like, maybe we'll just get, like, a perspective of him from, you know, like, in the middle of the fight or, like, everybody will join together or something like that. But then he, like, takes off and then messes up everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fast. It yeah. happens so quickly. It, yeah. It, it makes you wonder, though, how much of that is, you know, his will and how much of it is just the Seamurg, you know, setting some, a guided missile in motion. Yeah. How planned was this? Did did see did she see this or is this like just a outcome? Like the Seamurg is essentially present at this battle. Yeah, yeah. It definitely felt pointed cuz like mm-hmm. I mean Accord makes it, like his vendetta against Accord that like that makes sense. But then like taking yeah. down the Chevalier, is that how you pronounce Chevalier? Mm-hmm. And then also um, almost had Yeah, I think it's Chevalier cuz he's Chevalier. an American. Yeah. Chevalier. Yeah. Both of them it just it it felt too calculated for him because he seems kind yeah. of like a like he seems like a loose cannon or like you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Because yeah. I mean his whole like deal that happened before he got you know kind of sent away to accord um, mm-hmm. that seemed very like chaotic. But then this felt super yeah. controlled, mm-hmm. you know. So it seems very yeah, very like a uh, programmed yeah yeah. Also, where did he go? He's just kind of like he just left. Like we don't know what happened in the end. Mm-hmm. And like yeah, yeah, we don't know if he died. Is, like uh, 
his soul is still empty? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> is he just like out there biding his time? Is he like, a, you know, one of those missiles that like returns later to cause more problems? Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and um, I think I think he was able to save the girl that that was kind to him a couple times because oh, good. later on in in the the next arc uh, close to the end of the battle the young bun show up again and they're missing their translator which was her mm, right so yes. either she was killed or young uh, cody saved her yeah so yeah. uh and but of course we don't really know what that means yeah because like they how does the uh the hold on his powers still work, right? Mm. Can they just like take it away so he's just a normal person now and they're still holding on to his powers? Or does that let them find him or what? Yeah. Yeah. Any questions? Yeah. Did they put like by their combination of powers, is it sort of like this all the little like shards that are like pieces? Of, do they put it all together so they're like forming this like mega sec- shard yeah, like, kind of thing? Is that how that works? Like, yeah. So oh. I would love to see the entity's perspective on seeing the young like, one. Like, yeah, because yeah, be he, he sees Sion sees um, the uh, slaughterhouse nine thousand, which, which is what we call that, by the way. Mm. Okay, uh, yes. The the clones and how they all have the same connection to the same shard and stuff. So I wonder what that looks like. Yeah. Um, one no, final note on the Yongban, uh, I, I also want to note that Cody's only been with them for like three months. Mm-hmm. And he's already in the state. Um, and also how it's interesting how their xenophobic cult-like mentality is detrimental to the whole because it like discourages cooperation with outside forces. They, it's implied that they're going to shun the girl for talking to Chevalier, which is like, mm-hmm. I mean, that make, kind of makes sense for them to do that. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, they're very like separate from everybody else, yeah. just intriguing. So, mm-hmm. so the uh, yeah the the assassination of Accord and the maiming of che- Chevalier and Tattletail is such like a stomach drop because we already yeah. know that things are going to be hard. We've been en- emphasized over and over how this fight is going to be so much worse than all the rest, mm-hmm. and that is with all the cooperation. Um, then we're just but, kind of but we have hope because uh, you know Accord is here, right? Mm-hmm. The, the guy, the, the plan man, right? Yeah, he makes and, plans. And Chevy does, yeah, yeah. So we're like, okay, maybe they have a chance. Of, yeah, perhaps and, and we have we're solution. also just interested in what he's going to do. Yeah. And Chevalier does a really cool speech and stuff. But no. Um, but no. It's it's ruined. Yeah. So uh, that's when we start arc 24, Crushed, in which uh, Behemoth um, is re- <laughs> makes us feel really bad. Ah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we really start this so, fight uh, like... Mm-hmm. With, you're just you're just kind of like, honestly, I was I was kind of I'm I'm waiting like I was I was on like tender hooks or whatever or the tip of my toes I don't know like you know the the moment before potential energy becomes kinetic I was waiting for Taylor mm-hmm. to show up because I feel like she always has the plan whenever mm-hmm. whenever the plan goes to shit she comes and like saves everybody yeah so I was like she's gonna and, come and save everybody a plan. yeah yeah so I was like I was ready to see Which... what she was doing. I mean, she came up with a plan. The saving of everyone, the saving everybody part, slightly yeah, less didn't, accurate. Didn't, didn't quite work out. Yeah. So she's leading the Chicago wards and meets with the undersiders, mostly focusing on search and rescue. Uh, and then there's some moments between the groups as Taylor adapts her leadership style to work with the new rookies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there. I really, it it's it's so funny because synergy is such a strange word to me. 
Like it, it mm-hmm. to me, like it's super linked to like like corporate environments. But it just it mm-hmm. made me happy that like she was kind of like figuring everything out, and they kept using this word synergy, and then they like made this lightning rod that was basically made out yeah. of you know like collective working together, and they were like trying to. F- it was it was like a good moment before everything kind of began. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's it's very clear how different the two like the wards are versus the undersiders where it's like Mm -hmm. there's such a familiarity with the undersiders that is not present at all with the chicago wards or like the way that she speaks to them i guess yeah definitely not with uh with taylor i mean there is some like a little bit between the wards but but not that much yeah and that kind of familiarity really only shows up while they're talking to the undersiders which really shows like how stifling taylor is Mm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we can talk about their dynamic between the two uh, groups for a second, and also how Imp and Regent are so, so funny in this, which yeah, makes the loss like, later rare it's so much harder. Yeah. 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 It was, there's there's a lot of great moments. Um, I mean, it really sums up the best with um, the in the aftermath interlude where we get the pair humans online reactions, where they're like, th- th- these two... Are, are so funny. I hope to make it out okay. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Oh, this, uh, uh. But, yeah. Yeah. This was definitely and, one um, of their, so like... And, so, Brian... Mm-hmm. Oh, no. It's just... This was definitely one of their, like, really great moments that we got to see them. Yeah. 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 So, uh, Brian is having a really hard time because he doesn't have a rock with Taylor anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's only been, like, another week since he sent that letter. So, and now he's facing off against an Endbringer, so yeah, it's not... Yeah, he's just, he's really great in a not space to good be in. place. Yeah, and then she doesn't really, yeah. like... I mean, she, like, helps a little bit. There's, like, this nice moment between them, but, like, she doesn't... Yeah. She doesn't offer the emotional support that he, like, that he needs. Mm-hmm. Which I know I just, like, went yeah. down this whole path earlier, but just... She, like, she's already, like, moving... Like, her, her head is not in, like, that, like... Yeah space anymore where she's she's already like five steps ahead thinking about how she's going to utilize both teams yeah i I think she kind of projects her her method of dealing with problems uh on everyone else which is just to not Mm -hmm. uh so uh, i like i think internally on on a lower level i I mean she never you know fully articulates this but it's kind of like she kind of expects everyone to put aside all of their issues and yeah. focus on the now and deal with it later, mm-hmm. which is to say not deal with it. But yeah, that's not really how it works with most people. Yeah, she she it became very, very visible um, at the beginning of this, I think, because we had that yeah. whole moment with Cuff and then like with Brian and she's just kind of she's already shifted into that mode of like, I'm only going to be like you know, offering instruction and and leadership mm-hmm. and authority and all of this instead of, like, offering yeah. any sort of emotional support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, then there are some complications. Uh, Behemoth is just wrecking shit. Mm-hmm. Um, then Alexandria appears to Weaver's shock, um, and uh, they take a bunch of the wounded uh, down to the, basically the undercity where the Thonda... Um, are hiding slash living mm-hmm. um, before uh, Contessa appears and takes all those people and reveals her power, which is that she sees the path to victory. Yes, very intriguing. Where she, I, I, I was very 
fascinated because like we don't see a lot of like powers that like echo each other very often but it mm-hmm. seems like she's sort of like like she has she has the same amount of like seeing the solution right that accord does but then she doesn't have mm-hmm. that sort of like drawback that accord had well i mean besides his like murderer is you know thoughts but like um his like cassandra's curse where like nobody believes yeah. him or doesn't follow his instructions um, yeah, because she can just tell people she she her victory can that she need, gets a path to can be convince people this mm-hmm. like yeah 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 um, we'll we'll have a lot more time to to talk about her power later I'm sure yes um, yeah she's very interesting so we don't necessarily have to now but she's so she's completely overpowered it's so unfair she's so Dinah right she can look in the future and like look at a particular scene and it's extremely painful but she can look and. Uh, see what a certain future is mm-hmm. right the future where she's alive or whatnot and uh contessa basically has that except with none of the drawbacks and yeah i know like how, she, how does she end up yeah. with this power yeah yeah so uh then taylor goes off on her own to find behemoth's goal which is fierce and his yes. time bomb which is a great <laughs> pun loved it I, I love how he talks so much only this is joke it's it's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, and uh, she has a nice chat with him about being a ruthless villain and uh, taking gambles with people's lives. Yeah, of course. You know. Yeah, this this is a funny little aside. Also, I just like, I mean, like we saw this a little bit like with some of the other huge fights where she would like have these little like side quests or like she'd have these like conversations that she'd have to like decide or like she'd kind of like take a step away during the fights and then like return that sort of thing. But like, I feel like it happens very like multiple times in this right because she like kind of goes down into like the like below space i guess to go visit the mm-hmm. the uh tanda and then she like yeah then she like wanders off i mean this is like it's related to behemoth and everything but she she just she sort of like is in, in like the behind the scenes sort of thing um kind of figuring yeah. out kind of accumulating all the knowledge so that she can like return with all this like authority um mm-hmm yeah. Also, she definitely, like, is still living in that sort of, like, gray space, which I feel like mm-hmm. we kind of saw her thinking about um, when she was talking at the middle school, and then, like, it kind of became embodied when she, like, donned her, her old costume, and then and now it's kind of, like, lived out in her, like, behavior, where she, like, unconsciously is, like, threading the gun, like, not even thinking about it. Yeah. And then kind of, like, having her little chat and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she comes into this conversation disagreeing with Fierce, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you kind of get the sense, especially as she, she, I mean, she gives in pretty quickly to his arguments, um, basically that if it was her power, right, if her power was this time manipulation and she wasn't a ward, I'm pretty sure she would take the same action he is, right, mm-hmm. taking this giant gamble because, like, that's what he can do. Yeah. Um, and uh, also, I think it's, that this is a really like interesting echo of how Taylor uses her image because where before as Skitter inter- intimidation was her image mm-hmm. um, and now the PRT wants her to soften it and become more like a traditional hero but here in this middle ground she's using her her fame right as a redemptive figure yeah as this ethical tool and she uses this I mean she uses it during the uh, drugs are great actually speech and also when she talks to Mokcho later on mm-hmm. um yeah and also nilbog too but yeah her 
her turning coat and, and putting on that white hat is an an ethical claim that she has. Yeah, yeah. She's kind of like she uses all of the 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 tools of like her ethos. I would say that she can't. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on most of her arguments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, then, after agreeing, uh, after getting Firsay to agree to. Uh, hold off on his attack for 15 minutes, which is not a lot of time. Uh, she goes back to the battle and uh, starts gathering people up for the fight. Mm-hmm. In the process, um, b- before they can pull everything together, uh, Imp is about to get struck by lightning, but Regent jumps out of cover, yells at Behemoth, hey, shit, crumb, and uh, gets struck yeah. and dies. Ah, his sacrifice was so much. Mm-hmm. Especially because, I think... The end of his life was very different than how he lived his life. Yeah. Where, like, he kind of, he he became what he wanted to be in, like, the last moments. You know what I mean? Like, he, he, yeah. he sacrificed this, like, greater caring, like, because he had, like, caring for someone besides himself. And, like, that witness that we were, mm-hmm. the, the, the empathy that we were talking about, um, that he really only witnessed sort of, kind of, um, secondhand through, like, watching other people. He, he sort of, like, had that moment where he, he kind of was able to, like, step outside of himself in a way that he never had before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really selfless action, mm-hmm. which is new for him. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, so in, in the wake of it, uh, Taylor is actually, like, pretty fucked up about it, even mm-hmm. though she continually denies it. Uh, and um, skipping ahead a little bit, there's that moment where the undersiders all get together and they mourn him for a second they all just say fuck and it's really like affecting um it it works really really well as a send-off moment Mm -hmm. i thought it was great uh so to go back uh taylor uh basically coordinates with uh all all the remaining main heroes they Mm -hmm. they get together in a fast forward time bubble they make a plan uh, Taylor's going to fulfill that promise to Rachel to that they're going to fuck him up. Yeah. So they make the plan. We don't we don't see the planning stage, but the plan comes together pretty quickly, so we can kind of get it. Um, they extend uh, extend a, a chain uh, powered by Foil's cutting ability, and they cut off his foot and then his knee. Uh, Eidolon creates a tube around him and Fierce strikes, devastating Behemoth like never before, leaving him only. A skeleton. Yeah. But it's not enough. And the realization as he starts marching forward again is crushing. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. Because you're just, you're so excited that she's like figured it out, you know, and that she like comes back with all of this control and like this knowledge of, of what's going to happen and all of this. She, like, we think that she's figured everything out, you know, but then suddenly it just doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Although it was nice to kind of figure out, I mean, I should have mentioned this before when we were talking about fear save, but it, it, it's it's nice to figure out that there are specific targets that the Inbringers are looking at. Yeah, because something that is purely chaotic is is more terrifying, I think, than something that has specific intentions or motivations. As we see with Kansu later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it's super fascinating the way that they like are like made to be frightening. And dense, mm-hmm. and all of this, and I don't know. I still have questions about who fashioned them because we don't know. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I have suspicions. Yeah, I, I the the behemoth marching forward after that is just so like demoralizing, even to like to readers, because it's like like we already knew that the Yenbringers were just like playing playing along, right? 
yeah. at, at this point, or at least Tattletale like confirms it for us. Mm-hmm. But it was but, just like there was hope. Like this, especially, yeah. And this especially is just like, like, what even is the the point? Yeah. Because if if they, if they only leave when they want to leave, right? And this is the most damage that's ever been done, and it's not enough. It's kind of like, why are they even fighting? Mm-hmm. They can't they can't do much more damage than this. So yeah, it just seems yeah. so unachievable. Yeah, a victory. I guess, Luckily, there there the 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 um, definition of victory changes after after this fight, but yeah. Um, it's also interesting how uh, this is another case of when the chain of command falls apart, Taylor picks it up. Mm-hmm. She sure um, does. She started to with the Leviathan just a little bit uh, with the coordinating, um, and then she did it just with the villain side against the Slaughterhouse Nine, and then she definitely did it with the Echidna near the end, and um, again here at Behemoth, mm-hmm. until finally during the Slaughterhouse Nine Thousand, she's formally in charge. Yeah, finally, they've they've sort of like given her that. Yeah, it's yeah. very interesting because she always is there when leadership mm-hmm. is needed. You know that she just—it's mm-hmm. very—and I, I don't know how how she always she's always like right in the spot that she needs to be to be able to kind of yeah. take control in the moment. And then people are just kind of yeah. like, we don't have any other authority, so we will take the instructions of this young child who seems to know <laughs> what she's doing. Yeah, you know, it's just—it's yeah. very interesting how. That, that that was something that um, I was thinking about when she was interacting with Tecton and um, some of the other wards of, like, she has this ability to, like, wrap people around her finger, even if she doesn't mm-hmm. want to be, and if even if she doesn't want them to be, and even if they don't want to be, like, she has this ability to just kind of, like, have, con- like, to, to get people to do things um, yeah. that I haven't figured out how she has that ability but she just actually i suppose perhaps it is because of her her like queen administrator shard is that why because she's like the last one she has power over everyone else mm, hold on let me just think about how i'm supposed to respond to it because i don't know but like like i i, I don't know whether confirming or denying would alas i don't think no because we, during during science interlude we we see how her shard is just connecting to all of the little all of the bugs. Okay, that's what okay. it it says. It's in not his just interlude. like it's not. So just... I don't think there's anything in the text at this point that says that she her power is making her more able to control people. Yeah. That said, maybe maybe the chart like picked her because she would be good at it or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe it's influencing her to be better at it. To be. Yeah. 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 Very intriguing. Um, uh, the last thing I want to mention here is is just the observation of especially after five rereads this is really obvious mm-hmm. uh but how foil is so clutch in these things in, mm-hmm. in all these big confrontations because she's the one that can cut through all the invulnerabilities um i mean we find out why her power is so incredibly useful at the end because it was that original destroying power that the entities use yeah yeah um but she's always basically integral in these fights while also not being the main enacting Force. Yeah, she just she's always like using concert with others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we have Chevalier's interlude. Mm-hmm. So uh, we see his his backstory, his entrance into the wards, and how he sees the glimmers. These sort of uh, I don't know exactly what to call them. Um, yeah, but they're, so, they're like sort of like shadow. phantom. Yeah, like yeah, phantom interpretive images of their powers, mm-hmm. essentially. 
there's some really interesting ones there. I like the the description of of Tattletales, which is a many-eyed thing peering around at everything. Yeah, it's and, so um, fascinating. Accords, which is an old computer. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's like, are these the original things that the power came from, or are mm. these just interpretations? Yeah, is it, but like, is it him making sense of those sorts of things, or mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah, it's is just... it just to tell him what's going on? Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting um, visually, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we see how there was this vision of the wards, uh, which was where teenagers with powers could practice their powers in safety. And mm. now they regularly fight Endbringers. Yeah. So didn't quite turn out. No. In the present, he's injured so much he can barely walk. Uh, the His, his uh, steps down the stairs are just an ordeal that leaves you tense as hell. Yeah, it's so painful. Um. But with the help of Tattletail and then Defiant, he approaches Behemoth uh, using his cannon blade, incredibly powerful, to deal uh, more, even more damage until finally the radiation melts his suit and he's not able to move and he basically is ready to give in. But then Siren appears at the last second. He heals the radiation and then executes Behemoth. Chevalier uh, is such a, like a, he's such a tough leader. Or not tough, like, in, like, mean, you know, uh, that sort of tough, mm-hmm. but, like, like he's very um, full of uh, grit, I guess. I don't know. He Like, he's he's very much a survivor sort of type, where he, like, yeah. I was very worried. Implacable. I was very worried about him after Cody shows up and, like, cuts him up yeah. and everything. And I was like, wow, he's not, he's not coming back. But then we get his interlude, and he's just, he's very much... Um, of the mentality of like a captain going down with a ship sort of thing where he's like Mm -hmm. i can't just i can't just leave my you know everybody that i've gathered here alone like i can't i can't face that sort of you know abandonment i guess but Mm -hmm. yeah 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 we see that even from the beginning when he's talking to accord and accord's like you should lead from the back you're a leader uh and if you die you think bad things will happen and he's like no yeah i'm going to be at the front because I don't want anyone to risk their lives while I'm not. I feel like I don't have a strong enough grasp of individual armies to reference the historical, mm. like, um, well, I mean, precedent to uh, this. Because I feel like life, they were very spe- like, weren't there a lot of? Mm-hmm. There was like a whole section of or like some some nations' um, military leadership would always fight in the front, but I don't mm-hmm. remember who it was. I don't know. And it probably really depends on the era, too. It I'm does. sure it, that the, the more recent you go, it, because it's like the the less effective it is to have someone yeah, no, there this, because this, this like, like less people see them. And yeah, this is ancient, yeah. ancient fighting. Yeah. 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 yeah the, the king charging in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's ascribing to that old leadership. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But I also had um in in his sort of. Uh, personal history, I guess, the, his remembering of, of like, the original reason for the wards versus, like, what they have become, where they sort of, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I know they have powers and everything, but, like, they're still kind of treated like teenage soldier type, I would say. Yeah, and they're, like, placed, child soldiers, yeah. Yeah, where they're, like, put in these really horrible situations that are, like, full of stress and death and, I don't know, it just, they're just, I don't know, they're just kids, and they're, like, stuck in all these really yeah. bad, like emotional and and um dangerous situations yeah 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 worm continuously presents that that sort of 
type of question. If the circumstances are dire enough, is it okay to sacrifice people's well-beings because it's necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, the PRT doesn't let the wards fight Endbringers just because it's convenient. They do it because it's a war of extinction. Yeah. I feel like Taylor definitely buys into this concept. Where oh, she's yeah. like, 100%, if the situation is dire enough, people's well-being should definitely Anything. go out yeah. the window. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But the end of this, Scion appearing, all of this. Ah. he. I feel like he just... Why did he... Like, why Why was it this particular moment that he decides that he should execute Behemoth? Oh. Well, it's because um, Kevin Norton, remember, during his interlude, oh, which yeah. is after Leviathan, talks to him. It's like, you gotta kill them. Yeah. Dang. And so this is the first time that he's fighting Endbringers after that talk. Yeah. Very intriguing. Still begs the question of who is giving them the motivations that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because mm. it's not Scion, apparently. Yeah, it no, seems. it's somebody else. But it's not, I suspect it's mm-hmm. not an, an individual. It seems like it would be like a, like, is there another entity that's all alone and has sent these Endbringers to bring ill will or mm-hmm. some sort of strange mating ritual? Mm. <laughs> Who knows? That's that's an interesting thought. Well, I mean, I, like, there has to be other ones that are alone, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the rhythms of this I'm, must be disrupted I'm, other places. Mm-hmm. We know at least of at least of one, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So many questions. Um, yeah. And more to say during the speculation section. Very true. Uh, very true. So uh, on, on Scion deleting Behemoth... Uh, the, the the feeling I get it's it's such a such a complicated feeling because especially as a, as a reader uh like knowing that basically Sion was more or less pre-committed to doing this mm-hmm. that it doesn't really matter how much damage the heroes did yeah so even though it feels like a tremendous victory it's this horrible dramatic irony that like none of this mattered. Oh, I know. It's The cutting off of his foot, the fierce laser, uh, all of these countless people dying Mm -hmm. and Regent dying, um, doing more damage to Behemoth than to any Endbringer ever before. It's all overshadowed by the dumb Superman finally showing up and deciding to to change his his approach. Yeah. Like, I don't think... What was he doing as they Mm -hmm. were doing? Like, he was wandering around the Earth doing other things. Like... Does he not pay yeah. attention to the news? <laughs> Apparently not. Ah. Saving cats from trees. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, it does it does feel so much more painful after we have that realization. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even though he's saving people 24-7, we never actually get a first-person account of, like, someone being helped by him. Yeah. Except for during Endbringer fights, so. Yeah, that must be so, like, uh, peculiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then the, the, the battle is over, and we get a series of um, aftermath perspectives. Um, the world is reeling, doesn't know how to react. Uh, mm-hmm. it, they're all kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, and um, Taylor's video surfaces immediately to, to control the narrative. We later find out that Glenn did it, um, and uh, everyone starts to respond with... Uh, with uh, there's, there's a mixed response to her video. Yeah. And um, we also see that Taylor's dad is afraid of her. I mean, it makes sense. He that's did. True. She did murder someone and two people in front of him. Yeah, I. That's so. Like, I get that's it. That's a lot to process, and it hasn't been that long. Yeah. yeah. And then he has this video to come to terms with, and like. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. She's still like his kid, but I don't know how far yeah. that. I don't know how far that argument extends. You know. Yeah. Yeah, but. 
this this the the way that the aftermath um interlude was written i think was really interesting because I, I just maybe i just really like the ones that like jump around a lot because it's fascinating mm-hmm. to me because we get a lot of different perspectives um and i think my first question is did she, did she not know theo before like sh- would she not have recognized him no i don't think she yeah i don't like, think she recognized him i suppose him. they never really encountered each other before because he's like a couple of years younger. um i don't think they they encou- i mean it certainly is not completely unreasonable for her to like you know have seen or or heard of him because his identity was public knowledge and oh, yeah, that's or, true. i mean probably i think like his family was all revealed right yeah and if he talked about Brockton Bay, right, she'd be like, oh, you're from Brockton Bay and you have powers mm. that are, like, generating materials out of walls? Hmm. Mm. Hmm. Um, Mysterious. Yeah, so, but, but at this at this point, yeah, she didn't know. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, it's very interesting that... But, yeah, did you recognize him, like... No. Like, pretty fast? I, I, no, okay. I didn't know until this moment in the aftermath. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, I was very excited because um, mm-hmm. I've been waiting for him to return and here he is. Mm-hmm. And he's and does he return? Does oh, he man. return? Yeah. 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 Um yeah, so there was a lot of like moments where it was kind of and then we get like defiant where he's like kind of emotional um worrying about everything. And I don't know. I feel like he's like him and Dragon their 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 story in the background to everything is like it's just very poignant and painful and beautiful at the same time. I mean, we don't get a lot of them, mm-hmm. but like just the glimpses that we do. Yeah. They're, they're, it's, it's nice, you know? Yeah. But. It, and it's, yeah. It, so, so, yeah, he thinks that she might be dead. Mm-hmm. That's how we, I think that's how we start this. And then we end it on. That she, um, she's okay for a bit. That she's okay. But it's really like, I mean, this is, a, <laughs> I, I don't know what to call this. Uh, maybe like a, a setup for later when she does mm-hmm. get killed. Yeah. As far as we know, like for real. Um. Just, and we see, like, we already have set up of how emotionally distraught he is about it. Yeah, yeah. Before it is, yeah. Yeah, so even even when we, because when we see it before, um, we sort of see it from, not before, after. When we see it after. Yeah, Saint's point of view, yeah. After Saint's point of view, the very next scene, I think, is with him and mm-hmm. um, Taylor. Taylor, yeah. And Taylor, like, Taylor notices, which, I mean, I suppose she's, like, very observant and everything, but, like... I feel like for her to notice that much of a change in him, it's such like a, like, visi- like he's so visibly upset about it. Yeah. You know, that, yeah, I don't know. It just, it was really heart-wrenching, the whole, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had a note about Glenn here? Yes. Oh, I did. Oh, Glenn, this this particular moment, I think, was so fascinating with Glenn. Because before we were kind of like, oh, yes, PR, all of this. But then, like, he really, really articulated, um, like, his reality. And and mm-hmm. how little the the public actually knows about what goes on. Um, yeah, which we got that like a little bit of a glimpse of that way early on when when um, Clockblocker was sort of like talking to the other wards who who seemed less than warm towards Taylor and and I just mm-hmm. kinda, I guess they just didn't think about how like they didn't know how much authority she had I guess. And how much she like she yeah. was involved in everything, and I feel like this was another one of those things where it's like we did not we we don't have a good understanding of how much the world doesn't know until they, like they're presented with this sort of thing and we see the reaction to it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, at the same like I, I, while it's like mm-hmm. like a lot to like 
to just oh yeah to like leak the video i i feel like it's i think that what glenn did was like the best that he could have done mm-hmm. i guess yeah the the not taking out the moment with Gru is kind of yeah that's kind <laughs> of mean kind of a dick thing to do yeah because i mean some other parts were censored so like come on but yeah yeah um and uh i, I it really makes me want to go back and sort of read that entire arc and just kind of take notes on what her actions are without her narration mm-hmm. just like note her dialogue and and visual actions yeah yeah because that like that's what people would see so like the conversation with Firse without her like interpretation sort of things in her own head mm-hmm. it probably comes off even more diabolical yeah or yeah megalomani- megalomaniacal maybe yeah yeah like like she is when she's talking about her time in, in Brockton Bay and stuff, she's not just like just talking about it. She's talking about it in order to convince him, right? Mm. And that's a totally different audience than the one that's watching the video. Yeah, they don't they don't see the um, internal motivations behind her, like yeah, rhetorically and the translation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then we enter arc twenty five, Scarab, in which things get worse, mm. or at least we get ready for things to get worse. Yeah. So in the wake of this, uh, the PRT is pretty angry at Taylor for her actions during the fight and just her general noncompliance yeah, with yeah. their rules. Um, and so in response, instead of just cooperating, Taylor starts a campaign antagonizing them, uh, starting with her broadcasting their their um, private meeting with, with her um, to everyone in the building. Yeah. And uh, so... A lot of the heroes are on her side because they know what it's like to be out in the field um, and they're able to back her up enough that she doesn't go to jail. I mean, that action is pretty justifiable. Like, they're like, oh, no, you've made an enemy of us. But also, like, she was going to go to jail for two years. So it's kind of like, well, she's not in jail now. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's still a win. Um, but other than I mean, it's, it's still pretty, like... Uh, very antagonistic and mm. kind of short-sighted in a lot of ways. But... Um, yeah, so the PRT and Protector kind of are, are at odds. They there's there's too much bureaucracy that holds them back, but also the you know non capes want to feel like they have some sort of control over their lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, her campaign is really aggressive and uh, is one where she's gunning for increased um, combat against uh, villains. That way, she can show off her her strength and and, and continue getting victories. Um, that's where she has some fights against, like, uh, Topsy and things like that and yeah. a bunch of off-screen fights. Um, and she ends up pushing her wards pretty hard. Yeah, she, she becomes very, like, single-minded um, mm-hmm. in this in this sort of, like, plan that she has. Um, also, yeah. it's very interesting that the PRT, that when, like, when they're kind of discussing her fate, they they do kind of, they call her the, like, very cult leader-ish and, like... The manipulator and all of this mm-hmm. and predictable, which I mean, I guess is all true, right? Like she has what we were talking about, where she like she has this ability to like sway people and kind of put them in places yeah. for them to act in ways that maybe they would not have if she had not told them to do so, or kind of mm-hmm. set them off down that path. Um, yeah, she it's it's really interesting. I think I I noted specifically because when she's placed in this leadership role. Like when she starts running missions and everything, she's even more deliberate and uh, exact in her, or like, and measured, I would say, um, in her actions when she's like working within mm-hmm. and around 
the like PRT and the protectorate stipulations. Like she's even more controlled mm-hmm. than when she was kind of enacting all of her, you know, like villainous plots or whatever you should um, put in. Like when she was the warlord, like she's she's even more like like caustically exact. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially. I mean that that is really obvious in the the fight against Topsy, in which it's like start to finish. She more or less knows how the fight is going to progress. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gets a little hairy near the end, but yeah. other than that, yeah, yeah. And it's it, she's she's like regaining her ability um, to control the situation because before, when she was kind yeah. of like trying to find her feet within the war, she was like really she felt really at like um, she she didn't have the ability to have any sort of autonomy, and now she's kind of yeah. Like, she she also in in those fights she wasn't in. She wasn't a leader. Mm-hmm. In this, she is. I don't know if she knows how to fight not being the leader. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point, yeah. You know, like, she's so used to, like, calling the shots. I, I mean, her power is basically to be it's to be aware of the entire battlefield, right? Yeah. So it's kind of hard for someone to, like, give her orders on what to do when she has way more information than they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, Taylor. Mm-hmm. But. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, oh, wait, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say so uh, on the the PRT talking about her, you know, leader, her cultish, leaderish, manipulator kind of um, mm-hmm. abilities. It's it's so interesting because it's it's oxymoronic because like Taylor, she is <laughs> really socially awkward I know. and uncharismatic, right? It's so uh, I mean, it, that becomes extremely obvious at the talk show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like most people don't like talking to her right and yet somehow she consistently pulls out the results of charisma yeah, she consistently so gets people to be doing and following her ideas yeah yeah because she like she returns in in the beginning of this arc to that sort of like you know um where she's like calling herself lame again in some of the moments where <laughs> yeah. she's like oh why did i say that all of this and then she doesn't know how to react when they're mm-hmm. like pranking her she's like very uncomfortable in social situations but then like she has these like bold move plans right and then she knows immediately Mm -hmm. what to say to make people go and like make people or to place people into the positions that she wants them to be in so that they are poised to help later poised to help now or kind of acting in ways that they would not have if she hadn't like like she's really like like i don't know it's just very jack slash of her to me like Mm. it's especially when she starts talking to um like when she's like recruiting people but not really recruiting them Mm -hmm. yeah and she really is just kind of planting idea in their head so that later like perhaps they'll come and help like it's it's Mm -hmm. so very much where where he he just kind of sets things in motion where it seems like Mm -hmm. she's really doing that in these moments as well yeah i mean she does it with with mock show i Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you noticed um, but later on during the Slaughterhouse Nine fights, uh, at one of the confrontations, there's a a parahuman, a, a cape on their side named Romp, mm. who has Makcho's power, and so we basically assume that yeah, she did she eventually did. turn. Ah, uh, oh, I did yeah. notice that, but that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't know how to do like the um, daily bits and like the the like small, mm-hmm. just social, but like when she has when she has a goal in mind. And she has a plan, and she needs yeah. people to do things. She knows what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the, her her confrontations with uh, the the PRT sort of peak at this sort of talk show thing mm-hmm. where they push her, 
and she's really, really awkward at it. Um, it's actually really funny, but it's also like extremely uncomfortable to us. And we're like, oh God, what's, what's, what, what's she going to end up saying? Is she going to like yeah, I was basically so say it was great being a villain or something like that? Yeah. Um, cause, cause we're very aware that like in this sort of scenario, she's, it's very easy for her to get outmaneuvered. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's saved when <laughs> there's another end bigger attack. Um, Kansu, uh, appears uh, a, a new Endbringer, which is upsets everyone pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hits Japan, um, and just before they're starting to be able to mobilize, he begins a teleporting killing spree, yeah. um, starting to teleport around the world with these time manipulation bubbles, and um, yeah, he's completely terrifying in a completely different way. Yeah. Uh, ah, he's so cool. Like, like <laughs> it's such an interesting and like poetic way to die and also probably horrible Mm -hmm. and like i mean it's not good but like also i mean they're like they're experiencing there's there's so much time like you know contained Mm -hmm. within those orbs it's just ah it's so ah it's so cool yes yeah yeah with that power it's like yeah every single one is like it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he doesn't really do like normal attacks. I'm pretty sure that's like the only thing that he does, more or less. Yeah. Um, so it's you either get stuck in a time bubble or you don't. That's it. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and if you get stuck inside, you're basically yeah, you're dead. With with very very few people being able to to escape. I wonder if teleporters can. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, or is it sort of like this um, like amber molasses sort of thing? Yeah, but um, y- yeah, every single one who gets stuck in there, like Taylor mentions the ones that like brought food and, and stuff inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they have an entire story. Like you can imagine that every single person goes in there if they have like a notebook or whatever. That journal gets like filled. Yeah, totally. Ugh. Before they they go. Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> now I'm thinking of a scenario where like Kansu had made like a big field. And just so happened to have done it like next to like a supermarket with, and, and so they like live there, yeah, yeah, for like years or something until they like die of old age. Oh. And is it That's just like, like is it just this safe <laughs> bubble that they live in where they're slowly dying? Yeah, you know, like it's almost this sort of like horrific utopia, you know? <laughs> yeah, because it's like I mean, is yeah, there something they don't have to worry about it's... any. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they didn't die. Like they yeah. they clearly died of old age instead of just some horrific. Well, they, I think a lot of them like starved. But oh, I, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. A, there, I, I mean, mean someone could have. That's not yeah. a great way to die. Yeah, but like, uh, like if someone in there like went in there with a power that like lets them like create food or something. Yeah, you know, is it just this sort of pocket? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a weird weird thought, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, very peculiar. Yeah. Someone someone read a fanfic where it's just someone getting yeah. stuck in an orb and just just write that experience. What if it's just like a normal person? Just do that. Yeah. No person. Um okay. So in yeah. response to this, uh Cauldron organizes a meet between the major pair human groups that we've met, uh, and they exchange favors to work together to fight Kansu and finally drive him off. Mm-hmm. Large amounts <clears throat> Large amounts of lives are offered as uh, sacrifices in order to buy some people's favor. Um, and the topic of the birdcage is brought up and then um, d- discarded. Yeah. Or denied, I guess. Because yeah. Marquis is there. And it was so exciting for him to show up. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yes. 
Also, they show up at such inopportune moments to everyone else and opportune mm-hmm. moments to them. You know, like, they keep popping in, gathering, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, ad- admittedly, their place is probably the best to gather everyone together because it's, like, beyond space and time or external to mm-hmm. space and time. I don't know. But um, it's just... Uh, makes me wonder, though, how they stopped the end of the world before and was it a similar sort of situation mm-hmm. or like i mean because they had to have like they needed their powers first right so that they could know the path to victory or know that it was coming mm-hmm. or was it some other something that they just there's some other completely different experience that they've experienced mm. mm-hmm. or is there some sort of time movement back and forth who knows yeah yeah good questions so many questions but i don't know it's it's quite a high price um, for the help of some of them, you know, like yeah, Glastic Gwene's, uh the price is what was it a hundred thousand cape lives? Yeah, like that's so what? much. I I mean I don't think a hundred thousand. Well, actually, it could be possible that Kansu killed a hundred thousand people. I don't think he killed a hundred thousand people, but he could have. Yeah, well, because he's he's moving around like a lot, I guess. Yeah, but it's just that's so many. I mean, it, and like when Leviathan. This sinks entire islands. Yeah, that's like, true. That's true. How many people live on Newfoundland, right? Yeah. Like, probably more than 100,000. Yeah. So. But, yeah. That's actually it's very... more reasonable than I originally thought. Yeah, but still, like, it's a lot of people. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. But they're just yeah. kind of like. Especially because okay. they're innocents. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, like, discussing it like it's money or something. I don't know. It's just. Ah. Culture is so beyond anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even just, like, the term doctor mother. I was thinking about mm-hmm. this, um, and it, it's just very, like, it feels very, like, Suspirian, which I don't know if that's... What do you mean by that's that? That's not really, like, an actual adjective, but, like, there's uh, mm-hmm. the film, or I guess there's two of them. I can't account for the 1970s one, so don't ask me about that one. But um, it's it's uh, kind of like this horror film, but it the, the, mm-hmm. the term Dr. Mother very much, like, has that sort of, like, ancient feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a cold sort of ancient feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because it's, I mean, it's kind of like a cape name, right? Yeah. Except it's, it is totally different from a cape name. It's two very unassuming, it's it's two normal titles mm-hmm. put together, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's all the O's. The O's just make it very empty, the feeling. Mm. But that... Doctor, mother. Yeah. Yeah, just the way that it like sits in your mouth. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting juxtaposition of, um, you know, warmth of a mother with the coldness of a of a doctor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think we see her do a lot of really motherly things. No, ever. So, I don't know how fitting that is. I wonder who started calling her that too. Yeah, I know. Did she don this title? Like, did she like take it on herself, or did someone name her that? Yeah. You know, and like, how did the number man? decide his new title you know very interesting i think he might have picked, picked it because it. he had that conversation with with jack about picking a silly name mm, right yeah true and true the number man is a pretty silly name that is yeah yeah both of them both of them raise this concept of like the uselessness of morality mm-hmm. um which i feel like just speaks so greatly of their like distance from mm-hmm. like society and the the uh structures of it yeah yeah but it does it does feel very much like the mentality of like 
in bringers versus parahumans where it's just like anybody and everyone right yeah yeah um yeah I, I find that meeting very interesting just as a sort of like settling to the reader of hey these are the major groups you need to be paying attention to right now yeah. um because they're very particular groups right like and there's other groups that we know of that aren't invited there like uh the guild uh which well i guess well no yeah the guild is 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 different it's it's all those tinkers in Canada and stuff yeah, yeah. Um, that Dragon is a part of, but she doesn't represent them. Mm. And the Yangban aren't there. Yeah, very notably. And um, yeah, I think they say basically that they would invite the Nine if they could, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I don't know what they think that would have accomplished. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is that oh why, my gosh! Is if Jack why... was at this meeting, that would be so bad. Can you imagine? God. Like, like I don't think people would get murdered at this meeting, but like it would turn out in Jack's favor, right? Because of his manipulation abilities. Oh, so, oh my god! Uh, <laughs> I'm really glad they didn't. Yeah. Gosh. Um, oh, I can't imagine that. Yeah. But there's some very like questionable characters that are there. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. Um, specifically Mord Nog, whose name I hope that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce Mord Nog. I think so. I, she's so cool. She's so she's pretty cool. cool. Ah, I mean, like horrible because she's like asking for all of his lives and all of that. And like, but at the same time, so like, just like the aura around her is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's just, she's riding on top of this giant colossal uh, shadow monster with the skull. Yes. And she's just like casually standing atop of it with her uh, the, her rock and roll t-shirt, oh, sleeveless tee. It's just amazing. So, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Best warlord. Best. <laughs> Sorry, Taylor. Yeah. Yeah, she's 100%. <laughs> she's also a mass murderer. So. I mean, yeah, that part, that part's... She's like as bad as the nine, Not I'm great, sure. Yeah. But like Yeah. I mean, it does make me wonder though, who else is lingering in the birdcage, you know? Mm. Well, she's she's not in the birdcage. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um I also find it interesting um how the undersiders are still in the middle here, right? They are not necessarily on the hero's side, but they're definitely not on the side of Mordnog yeah. and some of the other people there. Also, like, um, and also interesting how our protagonist Taylor wouldn't have been here if it wasn't for Tattletale insisting that she be there. They have just the funniest way of ending up exactly where they need to be. You know, the undersiders mm-hmm. and Taylor. Taylor specifically always ends up exactly where she needs to be for a specific information or specific thing that needs to happen. Or like, you know, like, yeah, it's very int- like with this. Like, I don't know. She just. I don't know how she has this ability to just kind of pop in wherever she ends up, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and then wherever it is, she has some sort of influence that she execs or, you know, like an X or whatever. Yeah. 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 So uh, afterwards, that's that's when they start doing the coordinating with the the Thonda. Mm -hmm. Uh, They finally are able to coordinate against um, Kansu using a ability that sort of ties everyone in the battlefield to Kansu. So they'll be they'll follow him as he teleports. And um, with all this cooperation, finally they're able to to drive him off after three days. Yeah, that's so long in terms of, like, a single, mm-hmm. per, like, prolonged battle. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's interesting, um, in, in the fight, like, specifically in the, like, South American moment, Taylor, she's, like, literally pulling, like, the strings of it. Like, she has everybody attached mm-hmm. so she can keep them out of the, like the time bubbles and she like mm-hmm. 
she's like literally pulling like thread like a puppet master which i feel like is <laughs> yeah. like even a step yeah. beyond what she usually does and it's just it's such a like a like a, a sharp visual image that fight mm-hmm. specifically yeah 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 um i think this is uh so that that next chapter so 25.6 i think is the one it's really really interesting because um I think this is another one of those moments where that that contributes to this sort of out of body feeling that a lot of this book has mm-hmm. with all the time skipping that the beginning of it, right, is not actually Taylor in the moment of that fight. It's actually a recording of her at that fight. Yes. That yes. she's watching in the future. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different moments like that that I think are really interesting in, in, in combination with those other interludes at the end of, of fights where we don't actually see the conclusion. Um yeah, there's just a lot of these sort of distancing um, feelings mm-hmm. from Taylor. Yeah, we get a lot of like of of external looking at her because like some like some of the other interludes, they'll they'll like earlier on it, it will will have gotten a a clear perspective on what had been happening or something that happened far away or like a, a detail that we wouldn't have seen if she was around. But then now it's like we've turned that lens upon her instead of kind of peering around at everything else because the world is already built you know we're just kind of now we, we we get a lot of you know kind of rotating perspectives i think which is a, a really interesting sort of turn at this particular moment mm-hmm. yeah 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 also i was not expecting so much time to pass so quickly mm-hmm. i thought that we were gonna like maybe have a few jumps or like i don't know i guess i just had gotten so used to like being so close to every action that that mm-hmm. when when we kind of entered into this sort of like not montage but like you know like the time movement like mm-hmm. it felt I I felt jarred at the beginning but then I immediately was mm-hmm. like okay I understand now um, it didn't it, yeah. yeah it didn't feel yeah like peculiar at all it felt very like natural yeah uh, like I'm I'm of the on on the side of like I think the way that it that it's done like works. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't, you know, do anything bad to my experience. I, I it, the time skip is one of the more controversial, like, uh, like mixed receiving messages of of Worm. Yeah. Uh, and I think Wildbow has ex- expressed like, if and when he edits Worm all the way through, this would be one section where he overhauls a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think it works right now. Yeah. So I don't really, I, yeah, I don't necessarily want to focus on that sort of criticism yeah yeah it was really i liked it um it was also really nice to just like check in with the undersiders again um after this like after we kind of stepped away for a bit Mm -hmm. um because there's there's so much that happened after two years yeah um Mm -hmm. yeah and it it felt very much like like rachel's background emotional development in the last section that i went through like that I kind of like traced. I felt like that was kind of what this moment felt like that we were kind of seeing the the culmination of all of this that we had been sort of like mm-hmm. watching get set up. Yeah. 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 Um and and yeah, like I said, this is that I I used to wonder more at the changes that are happening here, but like I mean Taylor does end up changing and I think we can recognize the amount of change that's happened, mm-hmm. but I mean the majority of her discovering herself and creating herself happened in those first three months and then in the immediate aftermath yeah and so it's not that yeah it's not that strange to me that 
It, like she discovered what herself with powers is like, and it's a combination of Skitter and Weaver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then we have uh, Bonesaw's interlude. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, as she works on members, uh, the clone members of the Nine, um, she decides to uh, not go into cryo. Um, and over the course of two years, uh, and plus a mind whammy from Contessa yeah. and socializing with some one or two people in town, Bonesaw slowly comes to the realization that she doesn't actually want to be a member of the Nine anymore. Mm-hmm. But she still decides to complete the cloning effort uh, process, and despite her efforts, Jack knows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This was a phenomenal interlude. Like, it was so, it was so interesting to watch, like, the all of the, like, influence of, of Jack sort of, like, having whispered in, in her ears for so long, like, her being kind of isolated and, and taken out of that situation. You just sort of see how much of her like affectation and her behavior has been dictated by his like his influence. You know, um, there was there was yeah particularly the moments where she sort of has returned to her past self, like the way that she, her like self referent like her self referential from Bonesaw to Riley was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of that's which is her her first name, mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah, yeah. But then just we know, like we know that however much growth that she like has made, we know that she's like not not gonna do what she has been instructed to do. Like that, there, there, yeah. even how, however far that she feels she can um, develop and grow away from Jack, I think he still has so much power over her. Yeah. Even when he's not there. Like, mm-hmm. she could have stopped the end of the world right there. Yeah. She could have just decided to incinerate every single member of the Nine and Jack. Um, but she didn't. Yeah, she didn't. For whatever reason. Yeah. I don't know. It's just that she didn't... There wasn't, an, like, enough for her to, like, yeah. leave, I guess. not in time. Yeah, yeah. I, although, just, like, imagine her doing that and then just, like, walking out of the bubble and be like, Hey, guys, so sorry about all that happened, but... I no worries. I fixed everything. It. So, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <sighs> yeah. But there was also this totally interesting side note that I really liked um, is that she kept mm-hmm. talking about how art needs an audience, um, mm-hmm. which I am very obsessed with because I feel like that's the same thing as like readers and text like the necessity of readers for text yeah for it to be like to to for it to become what it fully is meant to be that there has to be mm-hmm. a secondary someone to like see or read or experience or whatever it is um yeah yeah where it can't just be like the author creating it ha- there has to be uh someone to to you know see it from another perspective i guess yeah i find that idea very interesting because like I do, like I, I just want to wonder at the the limits of that mm-hmm. because, like, does it have to actually be like another person? Yeah. Can it also just be you? And if if not, can it be like an in between of like a different version of you, you uh, someone y- yourself in the future, where you're different enough to appreciate it from a different angle than you made it? Yeah. Does that? Can you make art for yourself in the future? I think so. I think absolutely. But, I it's it's the yeah mentality I think behind journal writing, where if when you write it down, mm-hmm. like, even in the act of writing, like, 
there is an assumption that you could return just you, your perspective, your your consciousness. You could return to read it mm-hmm. again, but you will never be the same you that you are when you're writing it. Even if it's like a few minutes, like yeah. even if it's 30 minutes later, you still have those 30 minutes of experience mm-hmm. that you have tacked on to the end of your consciousness, right? That you have become someone yeah. again, like we're always this, in this becoming state, right? So we can't escape yeah, it, it, from that becoming of right. another person. Even by the, by the time you're done writing something, mm-hmm. you've already, mm-hmm. via the process of writing it down, changed your mind a little bit. Yeah. And so rereading it immediately even would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... Um, but that is a tangent. Um, a good one. A good one to think but yeah, about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I... Yes. I, I, so I really, really like... I, I, I love Bonesaw's growth here. Yeah. It's so fascinating to see um, that moment where she goes like, gosh, golly, darn, fuck, mm-hmm. or however the progression is. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Um, and it's not the only time that she's she's cussed before, right? When um, Defiant stabs her, Yeah. right? Yeah. She does say fuck, but she's on her own here and she's not currently being stabbed. So it kind of is a, yeah. a pretty big thing. It's very much of like... She's taking herself, or she's attempting to kind of remove herself from under the, like, the gaze of Jack that she has been under for yeah. so long. Yeah. yeah. So then begins arc 26, the beginning of the end. So uh, Taylor reunites with the Undersiders after two years. Things have changed. She has uh, changed a lot. Brian is with this girl from the Red Hands um, named Coven. Um, Imp, to me, is the most different, mm-hmm. and Lisa is the least, and Rachel is still cool. Ah, Rachel. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um, I think Imp begins... Like, she, she, she still has a bit of fun, I think, like, where she's teasing Taylor and all of this. But, like, mm-hmm. there's, like, this intrinsic... Like, before, she, she felt so much more... I mean, she she went through like a lot, I suppose, but she's like, there's 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 like a harshness, I guess now, or like a coldness that to me mm-hmm. is that wasn't present before. Um, yeah, almost like she's sort of like adopted. She killed Heartbreaker. Yeah, like it's. I mean, she definitely had that. She had the capacity to to do so. I think before because we saw mm-hmm. how how like willing she was to like go all out. Um, with mm-hmm. a nine at the beginning when we first meet her, yeah. Um, but I think the the level of of like planning and implementation that avenging mm-hmm. Regent requires to go and kill Heartbreaker and like save some of the siblings and all of this, I feel like that takes a, like a level of organizing and maturity that she gained only after, um, yeah. Kind of in the interim, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then like she, yeah, she's both more she's she's still herself and still jokes a Mm -hmm. lot but she's also like way more responsible yeah at the same time i mean there's that moment where she talks about how safe is good which is totally antithetical Mm -hmm. to anything you know rebellious teenager would say so yeah she doesn't have anyone to feed off of anymore Mm. you know yeah the banter's like heavier i guess because of that yeah Mm -hmm. also taylor's really mean to coven and the red hands and all of (laughs) them Yeah. And like <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Everyone who's not like totally in and she's already worked with. Yeah. yeah. She's like fuck him. Yeah. She sort of she Leave. like she I mean she does she defaults when she doesn't know someone to this sort of like caustic cordiality, I think, or like sort mm-hmm. of, you know, um callous. But 
yeah. she also sees in them there is this um there's a moment where she like she's like i'm going to ruin you i mean she doesn't say it but she has that sort of thought mm-hmm. which i feel like is the the moment before she turns herself in when she's talking to tattletail and tattletail's like mm. why did i bring you into all of this that whole conversation that they have i feel like that has still been sort of like sitting in the back of her mind and when she sees mm. coven and and the red hands and and you know the devastation that that they see when they walk into Killington, I think she has that same mentality of like, like, uh, why did I bring you into this sort of thing? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Which I feel like that's yeah. that's what is is um, makes up the most of her like guilt, I think, and why she's kind of like mm-hmm. the way that she is. I mean, I mean, I suppose there's also like a bit of like jealousy type or like guilt with Brian because she doesn't, she never was what he needed. Or like she couldn't be, but yeah, but then like, uh, yeah, her her jealousy with with Coven is really interesting because it's not just like I want to be with Brian kind of jealousy. Yeah, like it's definitely, I think it's more on the side of like, <laughs> he deserves someone less uh of a less of not a cold blooded killer. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's definitely that. So they go to Killington, um, which is just a horrific mm-hmm. a, a, a smorgasbord of horrific people i'm pretty sure like a thousand people are dead there alone yeah. oh, like God, i'm pretty sure that's so the implication awful. so yeah yeah also it's just like the visual of this like approaching this entire mm-hmm. town and like everything is just it's just so full of carnage and devastation and all of this and it's just like this is just the beginning this is just him like issuing his mm-hmm. challenge or whatever like that's the warm-up yeah it's, Ah, then it just becomes like attrition every fight where they're just like bogged down with all of this yeah. like horrible I, I it just it gets it gets to be so much um mm-hmm. and this is just like the we haven't even like entered into saints interlude it's just like this is the the um beginning of the rising action of this moment yeah yeah uh well we're really set up of just like how much how much is going to go bad yeah. starting yeah. here yeah also um, it's very interesting because it seems like Jack is is kind of. I mean, he like issued the challenge to Theo, but like, yeah, it seems like he's fighting so, Taylor. Just on that, yeah, you know. So just to, to, to finish that um, description yeah. before we jump into that idea, so they go to the center of Killington, seeing all these horrible, horrible things. Mm-hmm. They um, kill off a nice guy, which is also terrifying. Just yeah, <laughs> want to mention that. Um, and then there is a, a TV there set up where Jack gives his uh, challenge to Theo, um, which already like really affects him. And then yeah, um, yeah, um, it, it yeah it gets it to be a really interesting thing where like this is Taylor's operation that's like established. This is Weaver's mm. sort of mission, her end of the world task force. Yeah, but it's also Theo's quest, right? Yeah, it's sort of they're sort of juxtaposed. Because it's like mm-hmm. she's been she's been the voice in his ear this whole time, right? This whole like two years setting it up that she's she's the one who's like adjusting mid fight and telling people what to do and like who to go to which you know location, all of this. She's the one who like is sending Idol in away, all of this. Like she's very much the one who's running the show. And there's this moment um, that was like Theo Theo's like not doing well emotionally. Yeah. And like, there's this Start to moment where, um, where he like he calls Taylor out on like 
her mm-hmm. response to what's happening <clears throat> where where she's like she has this like she gets she's become animated like where she's like been sleeping this whole time i mean not like physically but like she's been in this sort of like slumber yeah. type state preparing and, yeah and then she's like animated now only now when when all of this horrible stuff is happening you know all of this like you know very intense situations where she's he's like you're just like jack which has not been articulated to her but she definitely has made that comparison to herself already yeah um it was just interesting that he's the one that calls her out on it though yeah 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 it's it's interesting because you know usually it's the villain that goes that does the you know we're not so different you and i kind of speech but it's it's it comes from the heroic side that that talk Mm -hmm. and and yeah i find uh, theo and and weaver as like really interesting foils to each other Mm -hmm. because theo is basically the like the traditional um protagonist right in the in the normal like um hero's journey kind of thing actually i really wonder if you could look at it with as a hero's journey i would say like yeah no oh we should we should yeah we should we should go and and like look at his his life through the the lens of joseph campbell's um Hero's journey that would be really interesting yeah. Uh, um but yeah so because he's the one that's been handed he's he's the the chosen one right mm-hmm. he's been handed this this quest he's the uh the basically the the plucky farm boy right yeah, where much. he doesn't start off strong at all and through hardship he in hard work he gets this this power mm-hmm. um and he's yeah he's dealing with the he's not the the anti-hero just often killing people in the heartless like he cares about people yeah. he's he's a true hero where taylor is a hero <laughs> <laughs> um and yet you know i mean our protagonist is is weaver mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's a super interesting mix where she's almost the center of attention but she's not yeah but she is but she's not yeah yeah we sort of like we keep switching back and forth between the two of them mm-hmm. because our eyes is already trained on her because, like, right, mm-hmm. we we as the reader have been pointed to her this whole time, but then at the pick, the pinnacle of this of this you know this arc, it's it's Theo that we have been waiting on, you know. Yeah, yeah it's very intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, side note: I just want to point out right now that uh, <laughs> on our script, this is this first page of of notes on sting is page nine out of 16 so that means that like more than half of our uh, about half of our script <laughs> is just about arc 26 uh, so <laughs> well it's a very large arc which is oh yeah no for sure yeah um yeah so then they go through a series of trials against the nine um where jack continually sets up these uh dual or or even three situations at the same time mm-hmm. where they all have to face off against multiple um, members of the Slaughterhouse 9000 uh, while pretending that it's just Theo doing the fighting yeah. um, to just to keep the veneer of the game alive as long as possible. Um, and uh, there's all sorts of interesting things, lots of really, really interesting fights, really tense. Um, and you have horrifying uh, members of the Nine. You have nice guys, you have psychosomas, which... I never thought of it before, but the whole thing of it, his name, it's like, it's, it's psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's the person who's not really actually being yeah. terrible, but they are. Anyway, I just, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's G- Grey Boy, Jesus Christ. Ah, <laughs> ah he's so cool. And horrifying. Yeah. But we'll, like, we'll talk about him yeah, later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and there's yeah there's those horrible moments at the 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 part where uh night hag eats jouster yeah. um i don't know if you notice he gets he just gets pulled into darkness and then there's wet gnashing chewing noises uh. it's just it's just absolutely so it's so wrong because he's just he just get he gets god he never had a chance he just he's gone Ugh. oh that one is that one's one of the most affecting deaths to yeah. me um and yeah so even stuff like breed mm-hmm. you know one of the least lethal members is he's awful it's just so the, and there's just um, so yeah wild bill really them. flexing his horror muscles here oh yeah you know oh, it's yeah. just like one after the other and you can't escape it and it's just but I mean, to be fair, the Slaughterhouse Nine like are def like they're definitely one of my favorite groups mm-hmm. of villains, you know. And for this, like, I was very excited when when this whole thing began. Yeah, because I was looking forward to all of them returning. Um, mm-hmm. And this definitely like lives up to expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and we really see how like effective all of our our heroes mm-hmm. are. Um, so speaking of, this is when Saints interlude happens. Yes. So uh, Jack is on the way to um, Ellisburg and is about to get stopped by Dragon. Um, so we start in Dragon's perspective, and we see just how extraordinarily effective she is against mm-hmm. the Nine. She just annihilates a group of the Nine with no no hostage casualties, no no trouble at all, and their crawlers, which adapt to her nanothorns, and yet just destroys yeah, them. It's yeah. extremely satisfying, actually. Um, yeah, it's it's great. But um, we zoom out, and we are actually in Saint's perspective of the, the Dragon Slayers, um, uh. who are basically tapped into her, her code and basically see her thoughts and stuff. We see just how human they are uh, there's this moment where saint has to go pee yeah which is like it, like he can't look at the screen because he has to go pee which is the most like he's limited by being a human yeah, yeah. sort of thing I, I thought it was such a great way to, to show that um when he gets back uh they notice that she has turned her attention to trying to find out the dragon slayers after having expanded her um processing power to basically be using half the computers in the united states or whatever yeah. And so they're thinking that this is the make or break moment. Um, Which is... And uh, they decide to use... mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's just... They just... Every time. Every time that, like, there's always somebody who shows up and messes things up. Just Mm -hmm. when you think that it's going to work out. And the person who has, you know, the ability to, like, save everybody. They just... It just... Mm -hmm. There's so many moments like that. And you're like, we're so close. We're so close. Who's worse? Saint or Cody? That's the... It's the question of the day. Answer in the, the comments below. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> well, we'll talk more about Satan in a second. Uh, so th- they decide to use Ascalon, the yeah. uh, dragon killer program. Um, so we flash back to her creator's message um, and Andrew Richter um, basically saying that to, to watch out for his children because he's, he's afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Dragon's last words are that she made herself, not that Richter made her. Yeah. And to tell Defiant something. She's not able to finish the message. It's tragic. Defiant um, vows to kill Saint. And Saint assumes control. And he's not nearly good enough. I know. Ah, it's so frustrating. And mm-hmm. it's like... it's it, And the entire interlude, I think, is made so much more, like, worse, I guess. I don't know. Like, more, like, painful. Because right after we get a glimpse of, like, how much Defiant mm-hmm. is, like, falling apart when he understands what's happened yeah. and he's like trying to keep it together 
and trying to like make sure no one else understands what happened. But then like mm-hmm. it's just it's so it's just so heavy for him to carry. And then like yeah. Saint has and you know everybody like they have this whole other agenda and like all these yeah I don't know it's just very they're they're living in this like totally other state of mind it seems like than than yeah, everyone else. They have a different narrative. Yeah. Yeah, their their narrative is not they're not one of the heroes. They are the anti-dragons, right? They are the the protectors against dragon. Yeah. That's their sole responsibility in their mind. But it's like yeah. Do they not see what's happening? Do they not understand how important? Yeah. Like, I just, I mean, they've been watching Dragon this whole time. Like, I feel like they, they just so, so readily look away from, from the, the seriousness of what, I don't know. I mean, I guess they have other, yeah. you know, motives and everything and they have another plan, but like, it's just, they have such terrible timing. Yeah. I, I find it really interesting of the other two Dragon Slayers' perspectives, Dorinya and Mags, mm-hmm. who both feel more reluctant to kill Dragon for their own reasons. Yeah. Um, while Saint almost kind of seems excited to, because like, this is my destiny kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really under- easy to understand why. He's the one who received the dying message of the creator. He's the underdog, um, only human leader against the unstoppable AI. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder he thinks he's the hero of the story. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got a protagonist complex. Yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it, it's kind of understandable why. why. He's like, yeah, I guess I, when you t- take a step back and just look at his perspective, I feel like it makes sense. But yeah. yeah. But even then, it's, yeah, this is, does not, it, it, she wasn't about to get them either, yeah. right? She wasn't about to become invincible. I mean, she might have sooner or later, yeah, but, but I mean, I don't think she knew about Ascalon, mm-hmm. right? So. Yeah, bad timing. Terrible. So uh, Jack is able to enter Ellisburg with Weaver and then Gollum following. Mm-hmm. They uh, are, are forced to... They, they talk to Nilbog at this sort of dinner party sort of so thing. So strange. Um, until, yeah, trying to debate with him just to, to tell him to just to stay here. Jack telling him to, to leave and war on the surface world, more or less. Yeah. Until... Um, Weaver is forced to attack the Nine um, preemptively. And uh, sort of in the, the process, Nilbog is either killed or captured or something because mm. um, he shows up later, crucified, it's messed up. Yeah, um, man, there's just... Mm-hmm. He has such a terrible fate. And I know he's like, you know, he... I don't know, just... Uh, he did kill an entire town. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, he's not like a great person that, you know, but like, it's... I don't know, that's that's pretty terrible fate. To be, mm-hmm. like, strung up and, I don't know, terrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, after uh, escaping narrowly from the now rampaging Nilbog monsters, mm-hmm. Weaver decides to, doesn't this sound familiar, stop playing Jack's game and go directly after him. Yeah. Uh, their, their conversation where they, like, sit down and have that whole, like, dinner party thing is, is mm-hmm. really interesting because they... Um, also, first, first, before we even get into like the parallels between them two, it's like she she places herself both in like like at an equal level, but then also in deference to Nilbog, which is very mm-hmm. like the the duality of the position that she takes is is very fascinating. Also, because because earlier in the meeting, not this meeting, but a different one, the one with everybody in Cauldron, she um um gla- glastic. Wayne. Mm-hmm. Classic Wenye. Yeah. Yeah. Um, calls her. Gives her the, the title. Yeah. yeah. Calls her queen administrator. And then now she kind of like mm-hmm. has it in her head 
of this this like that she's a queen yeah, this, like, yeah. monarchy type i guess i mean it's very interesting when you think about it as her like controlling all of the bugs you know sort of mm-hmm. this, like queen bee sort of yeah type mentality um mm-hmm. yeah and then she i don't know it's just ah those two but then additionally sorry this is totally i can't I, i'm kind of no, you're fine. wavering wavering go on but yeah. um in terms of like her dynamic with jack um in this particular moment he's he's sort of this like it they they it becomes less about like this parallel and rather this sort of like like inevitable interaction sort of thing um where like he's mm-hmm. this problem creator and she is perhaps a problem solver you know like per- offering solutions but it also seems like she's always placing herself in a position mm-hmm. to encounter problems and to be like to one yeah like she's always there right when people need her to be need somebody to be an authority or to like take over the situation and and you know place people in particular positions so that it ends up being okay so, and i feel like she actively seeks that out instead of just kind of encountering yeah. things and and going as going along yeah you phrased it on the our document as a she's not just a problem solver she's a problem chaser mm-hmm. and i think that's just a really interesting uh twist on on classifying yeah. her yeah yeah. Um, and she always insists on the she she always puts herself in places where she's necessary. Mm-hmm. Like she's becomes integral. Yes. Um, she has to inter- interfere. Yeah, yeah. Because see, like even in even in this, like how she's gotten to this point where she's she's the one who's formally in charge of this whole deal is that she she actively has like placed herself on these little like rungs, right? So she could get up to the top of the ladder, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so much like him that it's mm-hmm. it's so uncanny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could just go on and on about the parallels between the two of them. I want to see uh, an AU where they switch places. Oh. Where where Taylor is the is the Slaughterhouse Nine leader yeah. and, and Jack is the plucky wards member. Ah, that would be so interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be worse. Like I like uh things would turn out even worse. Yeah. I think they would. Um, do you want to talk about Nilbog uh, just for a second? Yes. Um, yes. His like existence in Ellisburg is just so empty. Yeah. <laughs> it's this like peak of adolescent hedonism mm-hmm. in uncanny sort of valley of like it. It's like super childish with this like veneer of like color and and paint and like interesting things yeah, yeah. mixed with this really fucked up sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, not only the, you know, he, he's talking about, like, fucking these tiny, well, like, the the, the smaller creations. Yeah. Um, the most, <laughs> I think he calls them, like, the most beautiful women, or beautiful and exotic women possible. And it's like, that's not... Yeah, that's... Oh. And, but one of the, one of the other creatures, one of the bigger ones, has, like, a giant dick that's, like, dragging on the mm. ground. And it's just like, why? It's just such why a peculiar... they like this? And it's all, like, his imagination. That he's created. Yeah, it's it's for real. <laughs> uh, I mean, it'd be one thing even just to like see this like in a picture, but like in reality, yeah. with like it in motion. Oh my god, Terrible. it must be. Uh, uh. Uh, earlier this arc, uh, Clockblocker and Imp are talking about, or Clockblocker is talking about how the world would it, is going to be ended poetically by the worst of uh, of mm. humans. Imp saying something like, uh, yeah, it's, it, the world ends because, uh, 
a, a, a gross dude who like jerks off in his basement twelve times a day to the nastiest case fifty three porn out there uh, is the one to end the world. And there's like a funny back and forth about that, but like that's that's what Nilbog yeah. is. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, it's really. I mean, it's also really sad, but Jesus, he's like a another like a, we we see a lot of loneliness in in this mm-hmm. book, and I feel like he's another one of those where he's just so alone, even surrounded by like his yeah. entire like the material you know uh, reality of his imagination. He's still completely mm-hmm. alone you know yeah 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 we we I, I feel like we see a lot of like permutations of what could happen in loneliness mm-hmm. like solitude oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so they're able to escape uh and uh taylor coordinates the the fight against nobog and some other at slaughterhouse nine thousand uh members for a little bit mm-hmm. yeah they you have a thing there with the defiant oh yes oh yes um there's it's it's a surprising little moment that we we get with defiant and um and taylor i wrote i wrote in my notes um i wrote uh skitter and arms master uh weaver and defiant colin and taylor you know like enemies that sort of you know work it out because they Mm -hmm. like she 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 recognizes that he is not going to be able to contribute the same amount, which, I mean, admittedly, she does the whole thing where she, like, just kind of, like, sends him off to go do something else because she, she knows that he can't be part of the mm-hmm. dream team or whatever. But, like, she actually takes the time to, like, stop and, like, check in with him, which is yeah. huge growth from from where we have, like, I don't know, just their their relationship is, has really sort of changed dramatically. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like this is this yeah. is sort of like the pinnacle of that, where yeah, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It was just a very nice moment where she like she she shows yeah. that emotional maturity. Yeah, I, yeah. We it, it's it's also something that she doesn't seem to to show to a lot of other people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. So uh, they they ch- go to chase after Jack to to follow him into the the pocket dimension, um, fighting off no box creatures uh, along the way. Uh, there's that great like final stand kind of thing as they're waiting for the teleporter to work mm-hmm. and uh no box creatures are like dis- just disintegrating the ship around them it's really yeah, cool yeah um, but uh in the confrontation that follows in the lair um as uh they go and chase jack down in this sort of warehouse uh, we hear uh caden knight fog and crusader all getting gray boyed mm-hmm. as well as the prt member um and we see just how horrifying that yeah. is <sighs> Yeah, the 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 um in in mm-hmm, go ahead. Oh, it's just it's just such a scene that they walk into, like where like mm-hmm. they're all all of the they're like growing more and all the little like glass tub tubes. I don't know the containers and like Nobog is like strung mm-hmm. up like this sort of like creature making assembly machine thing where he's just like popping out all these yeah. new creatures and he's like and then everybody else is like stuck in these like gray boy loops and it's just. It's just, it's all so bad immediately, and she doesn't have any bugs, and, and like, everything's kind of running out of time and all of this, and it's just, it's just such, like, a desperate situation immediately that they walk into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Weaver is able to find Jack and has a little conversation with mm-hmm. him, basically, and then turns the corner, um, shoots two Slaughterhouse-9 members, 
then shoots Aster. Yeah. Um, and then orders the rest of the attack. Yeah. And um, a bunch of other Slaughterhouse Nine members are killed. Mm-hmm. And then um, in the aftermath, which is now becomes uh, Theo's interlude, um, Theo walks around and tries not to think about the dead. Yeah. Or tries to at the same time. Yeah. Also, oh my god. Like, I, I like, still can't wrap my head around. Like, I've sat around and, like, this this is just horrible to me. That she just, I mean, I understand yeah. that, like, in her mind, she's like, it'll be worse if we leave this child with the nine. Or, like, the child triggers early and causes the end of the world. Or, like, you know, that she, you know, like, she could get gray board. So, like, like, something horrible could happen to her. Like, oh, there's some sort of torture, all of this. But, like... Why is her solution to shoot a child? <laughs> like that's a child. That's a child. I just don't. I can't. It's a whole ass child. Like yeah. I just. Um. It, I can't wrap it, my head. Important to. It's uh. She's a she's a toddler. Just just to make that very clear. Yeah, which is she's three years worse. old. Like oh my god. <laughs> also, she doesn't explain. So she's yeah, just kind of that's, like. I think that's the worst part. It's not. It's it's not even like you could rationalize yeah. it right. The, like the it it could have been the right decision, but she doesn't like even even after. I mean, you know, there's there's more arcs to go, yeah. right? So maybe they trust. It, it could just it, she's still in the situation, yeah. right? But it's um, like, but she doesn't. Yeah, she doesn't think it like hmm, we know that was fucked like, up. We know <laughs> that she's very good at rationalizing things. So like, I just yeah, she just kind of like like that to me spoke so much more profoundly about her change. And how, like, how callous she has become and, like, how focused she has become about yeah. this very one specific thing of trying to end the end of the world. Not, or, like, trying to prevent the end of the world from happening. That she's, like, yeah. there are so many costs to it and they are worth it if we can solve it. Like, if we can fix it. You know, where she's, like, yeah. she's in this, like, one-track mind so readily and mm-hmm. and just so vastly different from what Theo was like his headspace is completely different um, from yeah. hers, where she's just kind of like, "There, check, there we go." Like next, next thing, and he's like reeling in the aftermath. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's actually transition to start talking about about Theo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he we we hit on the, that note over and over again of how like he wants to let himself feel the dead. Yeah, yeah. There's just he he has. Like, he has so much emotion. Like, he's so full of emotion. Mm-hmm. And we feel it so, like, intensely. Um, but yeah. then he's, like, fighting this mentality of, like, who, like, what he's allowed to show and what he should show. Because, I mean, yeah. his mentor, who's... It, and it's not even... It's not just it's not just Weaver who is a problem with mm-hmm. that. It's, like, everyone. Yeah. Everyone would feel bad if he showed the emotion. The, you know, the devastation of his... Mother getting uh, gray void, mm-hmm. his um, little sister getting shot. Yeah, like it's so. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, this is like it. It begins this. I mean, later on, like uh, I was thinking about like the like the intensity of 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 situations that are like trigger events, and this kind of begins that mentality shift. I think mm-hmm. to him. Is because here he is again alone, even more alone than he was when he knew that his family was out and about, just not with him. Like there, there, it's like this whole new level of 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 um, you know, his world sort of collapsing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so he gets uh, two interludes, one after another, which um, we've got word, uh, we've got warm notes that that's one of the few times where it's not an interlude arc, but we do get consecutive interludes from the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really like unsure of himself. He doesn't feel that he's strong enough, um, and he's also going back and forth of like he doesn't want to like lose his humanity, yeah. like Weaver. Yeah. Um, someone has to mourn the people, and if it's not going to be him, then like who? Um, so in in the final fight, he's guided by Dinah using this uh, red blue abstract answers um, to find and confront Jack. Uh, he finally does, and there's this. I mean, it's more than just an epic showdown, but it's it's an epic yeah, showdown yeah. <laughs> um, between the two, um, with uh, Theo basically talking down to Jack, telling him, "Stop talking, Jack." You're not as clever as you mm-hmm. think, um, and yeah, he's kind of he's he's kind of right. He does point out that Jack is not actually being that interesting. Um, Gray boy loops Scion, and we think that that might be it. Um, and um, Theo during this like fights so so hard, mm-hmm. uh, despite every instinct telling him to to run away, um, and also him just getting eviscerated literally. Yeah, he's like uh, by a oh, it's so intense. Yeah. By a, a a jack's a a, a hook wolf knife of of jack slash, mm-hmm. which is it, insane. Um, yeah, yeah. So he's he's almost killed basically. Uh, but even though everyone tells him that it's okay to to, to sit back because he's a, like on the brink of death mm-hmm. almost, uh, he via grunting insists that he wants to to continue yeah. on. Yeah. Because um, the fight's not over, uh, but he's he's discovered this the the, the secret to Jack's abilities, um, and he tells a dragon's teeth, a non parahuman to attack Jack, yeah. and he's able to. He foams Jack. Uh, Gray boy, uh, upset with um, this this moment of weakness, mm-hmm. turns on him, loops him, and then starts pulling out his intestines. Yeah, it's so much. And then foil, so who we thought much. was was looped. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, that's good. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Foyle, um, who who pretended to get Greyboyed, uh, steps out around and then offs uh, Greyboy, yeah. and we think that maybe it's over. Maybe. Oh, we think that. Yeah, this was. I was so. I was so glad that we returned to Theo in this moment because I've been like, I've been waiting. I really liked the beginning where we got to see into his head, and I was really excited that hopefully we were going to see him again. And here he is in the most perfect moment to see him, um, you know, to see the, the end of this like whole build up from his perspective to like kind of watch through his eyes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like this was, this was just like the most wonderful moment to do that. Um, it was also really interesting because he, he's super aware of how much power that Taylor can garner, that Weaver can garner, like, yeah, which I feel like is, is part Partly because he's like kind of perceptive, but it, and like in that particular capacity. But I think it's also because he, like in his past, he's seen his father, like he's wielded authority over individuals, and like in that sort of, mm-hmm. um, that sort of like, uh, harsh, I guess, reality. I mean, his is probably more like, mm-hmm. probably more cruel than Taylor's, but and his is more like a traditional kind of um authority i guess but yeah but he he can like recognize 
how much like he can immediately see like how how she's able to like kind of move people into um where she wants them to be where he like he calls Mm -hmm. her like so focused that she's almost cruel which um yeah i feel like is very interesting because really the the greatest amount that we see of her in those two years in the interim is from his eyes right Mm -hmm. is that him kind of remembering those moments where she's she's the mentor right in the in the montage yeah. where like the hero is getting trained, she's the mentor and he's the hero that's you know like that's improving dramatically. Um, yeah, even though they're the same yeah. age, which is such a peculiar dynamic. Um, it, you know, it just just a it just occurred to me like that's a just that's also another um, trope. You know, like you know all those uh, those those spy movies or whatever yeah. where like uh, a, a guy's like oh. I'm part of the secret force now. Uh, the uh, the girl is going to train me to be the best ever, and then I'm going to face the final bad guy, yeah. and she's going to face the lieutenant because that's always what happens. Um, I mean, like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like Ant Man is like that, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there's that, that common trope, and it's played with here, where uh, where our protagonist, who's so much more effective, mm-hmm. is is um. Yeah, as the girl, and she continues to be more effective. He never surpasses her. Yeah, yeah, it's very interesting that too that he's really the only one that like offers any sort of like like friendship, even if it's not genuine friendship. Like mm-hmm. that there is any sort of like you know social interaction or connection with with the wards. Like yeah. that she's because of her abrasiveness, she's like war- like she's she's kind of pushed away so many others. Mm-hmm. But it's really like she's so focused. On what she's doing, that she yeah. like doesn't even she doesn't have the time to think about the emotional bits of it because I feel like she put in extra effort with the undersiders that she like deliberately set aside yeah. time to think about the emotional bits of forging forging relationships with them, and I feel like with the with the Chicago Wars she was just kind of like we don't have time for that, and yeah. he kind of bore the brunt even of though it. she had two more years. But, yeah, I know. Yeah. Ah, Taylor. Mm. Yeah. There's a particular moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's interesting how we, because of the, the time skip, like we have a, uh, a, Taylor is distant from the wards and we feel just as distant as she is mm-hmm. because we weren't there. Yeah. Like is some, some of them are like Wanton and um, um, Grayson Cuff, like get barely any lines mm-hmm. at all. They're, they're like as minor as they like any other member of any other team. Um, yeah, we like. I'm pretty sure, like, we Jouster has just as much characterization as as Wanton, yeah. and I think that's just as like <laughs> Taylor was was not that invested. Yeah, there's very much like a uh, yeah. There's such there's such a there's no camaraderie at all between any of them. Yeah, which I suppose there's another instance of like isolation and and sort of loneliness is her time that we aren't with her. She's alone. Yeah. yeah. Also, I want to bring this up because it's more relevant in this conversation than it is when we get talking about the fight. Um, there's this moment mm-hmm. when Gollum is like, he's all cut up and he's like bloodied and like he's been sewn up right by Parian and he's like looking over mm-hmm. to Jack and Hookwolf and Siberian and he's thinking about the irony of Hookwolf being there and like, uh, he's like, oh, my father's lieutenant, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And Taylor's just over there yeah. like, wow, like I feel so nostalgic, <laughs> which is just like... This is a horrible situation. So, so can you, 
do you, so how did she phrase that exactly? I'm trying to remember. Oh, I, I, it was such. Or not, not phrase it, but like. There was, it was um, a really funny way of like, I mean, not, it wasn't funny, but like, it was just, it was just so much that she, yeah, find it. she goes nostalgic. Her voice is barely audible. Right. And that's all she says. Oh, oh my gosh, I didn't even notice. Yeah, uh, yeah I wonder what her, her thought process there just was. Just like, God. <laughs> ah, Taylor. It was just a very funny moment in the middle of all of this. Like, it's it's the end, right? All yeah. this is very intense and horrible, and you just killed a child, and you're like, ah, nostalgic, looking over at all these. Just, ah. <laughs> Uh, I remember when I was when I was younger and fighting the Slaughterhouse Nine in the streets of Brockton yeah, Bay God. against Jack and Siberia and all these other murderers. I was standing on a rooftop wow. then too. Hmm. Hmm. How time flies! <laughs> How time flies! <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's an interesting. That's an interesting yeah. moment. <laughs> uh, well, also Rachel agrees with her. Mm-hmm. Rachel grunts and and after that, so that's interesting. Yeah, those two. So uh, this this fight ends right. Um, Jack is is all uh, captured. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. it, so th- this ends. Uh, Tecton, uh, after him being foamed, says that he heard something. He heard Jack say something. Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Nonsensical. Uh, which is so so ominous. So, so incredibly ominous. ominous. And they're they're worried about you know the, the catalyst going off. So that got to relay the messages to someone we trust um and here i think it's like one of the few times we have like an actual like cliffhanger cliffhanger mm-hmm. where we like withhold information yeah. um where tecton leans in close to to Gollum and uh says doesn't make any sense nonsensical he said and then we end it yeah so uh just what, what i'm talking about there is so um the i, I don't want to say correct that's definitely not the word but like the the type of um of cliffhanger that more people are okay with and that is usually more satisfying is, and this is not, I'm not doing a critique. I'm just explaining what, what my feelings mm-hmm. of this are, um, is, uh, Brian Sanderson, it does some lectures on YouTube about writing and he describes it this way where it's like, uh, the characters, they know something's terrible is behind a door. They open it and we see what mm, it is. Yes. And yes. then we end mm-hmm. before we get the characters reactions to yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Rather than the other way around, of we open the door and we don't get to find out what's behind yeah, it, yeah. right? Because that's like, well, I just want to know, like, because the the question is quickly answered, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so the the suspense is just like the first page of the next of of the next chapter, rather than the ongoing consequences of this yeah. thing. So this is this is going the other direction where, um. We don't actually hear, we don't see what's behind the door, but we know that something really, really, really bad mm-hmm. is behind the door. Um, and uh, I think it's just, I think it's really <laughs> well done it is here. phenomenally where, well done. Uh, I'm sure it was infuriating to, to wait for it, but like you cannot, I cannot imagine not continue on. reading this as it was coming out. I would get so frustrated. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So here we have our final interlude, our final chapter of this mm-hmm. book. Um, Arc 26 Sting uh, with the interlude from The Entity. Yes. This entity swims through the void and it remembers. 
everything is stored, dating back to the very beginning. And so we see the beginning um, where uh, the the entity came from this one planet with lots of other entities. Um, I'm, I'm going to wear out the word entity in this, aren't I? Um, where uh, they wove in and out of every single version of their world, mm-hmm. constantly fighting and trying to consume their cycles of um, growth and, and um, growth before they all consume each other and, and death and growth again um, has happened a bunch of times and every time is worse. So one of them sacrifices itself and basically gets them all to organize and, and expand outwards and start this cycle mm-hmm. where the entities swim through space um, finding planets with life, bonding to um, the, the the life forms there, learning from them, collecting abilities, information, and uh, before exploding the planet, continuing on to another one, and doing the same thing. Usually pitting its its current shards, which is what they're made of, um, and their their powers against each other via the hosts to find out more yeah. stuff. So um, this version of the entity. Um, swims through the void along with its counterpart. It is the warrior, um, and the other one is the thinker. The thinker sort of collides with uh, another entity. They share information, and the thinker is left diminished in the in the aftermath. Which is so sad. Um, mm-hmm. And it has to take over a bunch of duties as it's uh, approaching that it normally doesn't. And upon landing on Earth, um, it finds out that its counterpart is dead. Yeah. Scion is incredibly sad about this, crushed with the realization that its counterpart is gone and that the cycle will not continue. Um, it basically wanders the earth until it meets Kevin Norton um, and follows Ke- Kevin Norton's advice in an attempt to feel something. And it hasn't. It, it hasn't been yeah. fixed by helping people. Jack, um, talking about... Well, actually, we get a we get a quick cutaway, I think, to Tattletale as she uh, finally sees that drawing that that Aiden made yeah, yeah. and gets through the block of information, and she calls to uh, tell them that the the end of the world is still on, but not in time, not before Jack mm-hmm. can uh, tell Sion about a potential relief to his sadness um, in petty destruction. Uh, Jack. Sion leaves and experiments. By just destroying the UK. And it feels good. Somewhat. So he then turns to the western Mm -hmm. coast, uh, the eastern coast of the United States. And that's where we leave off. Oh, man. (sighs) I, I, this was amazing. Like, the way that this was written Mm -hmm. was phenomenal. Also, I'm so glad that the flapping beings have a name. And like a past, mm-hmm. this tragic story of loss and loneliness and solitude. And, and I mean, it's also like they've been destroying worlds. So I guess that's kind of like not great. Countless yeah. worlds. Yeah. But like, it's so interesting the way that they like ferret away information and pieces of their history and the way that they think and all of this for like safekeeping and all the other life forms. Right. So it's like, who knows about these life forms? Like, what if they're terrible? What if they decide that they want to, I don't know, like oust like the one time where they like ousted it and all of this it's just so infinitely fascinating to me you know yeah and they've like they've grown into this like rhythm of of duality right and then suddenly it's broken after like however long eons or whatever as as like living as a pair right and so now like science just like alone with no one to like 
offer thinking or analysis, you know? He has, he's a protector who has no one to protect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So it's really, it, I, I think the way that they're described is so interesting because, I mean, so Tadato says like viruses like gods like mm-hmm. children. And like, it's it's fascinating because they are these like incomprehensibly uh, complicated beings, right? I mean, they are like eldritch abominations, yes. right? <laughs> yes. Like they are literally like Lovecraftian. Um, Phenomenal. Greater than human understanding uh, things where like even one tiny piece, each shard is like enormously mm-hmm. complex, right? Mm-hmm. And it's got like trillions. Um, and yet, because it's like gone into this human form, like it's incapable of understanding that its counterpart is yes. gone. Like it's incapable of dealing yeah. with that. Um, it has no nothing prepared to deal with that and it's this tiny human brain that it's simulating that is able to give it like a feeling of emotion yeah, which is so interesting that like yeah and i find that interesting so much because like in its narration it talks about how um it feels sadness or whatever but it's it's a petty emotion mm-hmm. it's like nothing to mm-hmm. it right but it's clearly like really affected by it right yeah. like it is it would have been just like it would have been listless without the feeling of sadness but it still would have like done the same thing like it doesn't know how to process grief yeah you know by itself yeah which makes me wonder like the the one that did survive right is the protector or like is the um it's not the thinker so like what would have happened if the thinker had been the one that survived Mm -hmm. you know like yeah would there have been so much like would it have been quite as easy to to persuade to do uh, various things like with Kevin or like Jack who's like yeah time to cause huge destruction and science like okay I guess that sounds nice I don't know yeah. I ju- it's... and it does it, it feeds its its little little human brain yeah. it says oh this yeah. isn't so bad uh, yeah yeah it, yeah uh, the 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 thing I forgot to say when I was talking about incomprehensibly incomprehensibly large is that like they're they're so incredibly complicated they their their messages contain more information than like all of humanity has ever produced mm-hmm. ever right um and yet they still follow the basest urges yes. of reproduction mm-hmm. that's it that's all they want to do they want to consume and reproduce yeah, yeah they're so yeah they're ah uh, they're i i like them a lot they um they i think are very they're kind of they're like this mix of like they're sort of Borg-like, but not totally. They're it's more like the Q cont- continuum, which is like mm-hmm. or like Vulcans or something like this. This like preservation of knowledge and passing on of knowledge as like the main yeah. thing, but then at the same time, like that they're they're like conquering worlds and they're so beyond anything that we could imagine. Yeah, I don't. This 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 whole interlude was really and and I loved that throughout it we were wandering through. Um, the like life cycle of these entities and that it it was all of the arc titles like ah yeah wonderful yeah yeah I, I find it interesting I don't think it's every single it's arc not, title yeah. at least not in this yeah and it wasn't yeah which I feel like makes it even better because mm-hmm. then it's not like exact it's pieces of it I don't know it's very interesting yeah so so the the final thing that um Jack communicates is basically like we are all petty brutish creatures mm-hmm. and that's all we are and why not enjoy yeah. that um and that's what and en- ends up being told to 
uh, Theo. Tecton tells Theo, more or yeah. less. Um, and it's it, it's such a I don't know. It's it, it's just another moment of of Jack using his understanding power. Like he he didn't say the same thing to to everyone, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, this does sort of echo the this thing he said to Panacea, but like in a really different yeah. way. Yeah, so, he's he's very aware of his audience every time that he speaks. Yeah, but he has the same pinch, like he has the same end goal of chaos and destruction every time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about this ending? The beginning of the ending of the world. I'm worried. Also, it's very. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's very poetic. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose. I suppose it's poetic of like it ends like it begins, right? With a few words, sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I suppose they have a lot more than a few words. Yeah, I don't know. <gasps> There's a terrible noise that just happened. Oh no! I think it's fine. I don't. I don't think anything terrible occurred. That was just. I think we're gonna finish this episode too, which is cool. Oh, um. Oh, sorry. I got totally disrupted. Yes. You're okay. Yeah, but I do think the next arcs are going to be like a lot, mm-hmm. like a lot of like destruction. And I feel like it's going to be very mm-hmm. harrowing, trying to end the end of the world, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I do I do like that it didn't work out. Yeah, well, the thing that I find interesting is how we have all these percentages from mm-hmm. Dinah, right? She talks about, like, 97% chance of the end yeah. of the world. And we think that we get so close to it not happening, and then it does yeah. happen. Because we, we haven't experienced everything yet, and I want to experience all of it, you know? Uh-huh. So I feel like it's going to. You want to experience the apocalypse? Yeah, but like. Be interesting. I, like a, you know, I, I don't know. I, I want to know more about you know the entity. Oh yeah. And like yeah. what's going to happen, and I feel like that wouldn't yeah. have happened if we but, had you know mm-hmm. ended the yeah kind of you know stopped it. I mean, there's still the endbringers around. That's true. Right? We still so... have solution or answers for them, and I need answers. I want to know mm-hmm. about those onions. Why are they <laughs> denser in the in the middle and all of this? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, anything else we have to say about uh, the specifically the end of Arc 26? Um, I think I think that's it. Okay, um, so let's talk about the book as mm-hmm. a whole. Um, so this is, yeah, this is the, the second to last um, section before we get into the ending proper. Um, I think this is also one of the, like, solidly... Like it, it, it fits. Like this division, I think, fits pretty well. Like this is a our particular section. This, this is the Weaver section mm-hmm. of Worm, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I like it for that that reason. Uh, that said, there's definitely a pretty big difference between the focus of the earlier arcs and and the last yeah, arc. Yeah. So. But it does it does fit very well together. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because everything that's happening in the beginning is sort of you know the the starting off points right for for everything to culminate at the very end. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think basically all of our pieces are uh, in mm-hmm. play for this yeah. this final uh, domino toppling. Yeah, yeah. Like, the the um, the earlier book, we kind of saw everything begin to kind of get placed in action. Like, we see everything, like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're almost to that point, and now we've kind of, like, reached the, like, pinnacle, and now we're ready to kind of really start to yeah. get the end rolling, I suppose you could say. But mm-hmm. yeah, this one I think this one felt very like tight to me, mm-hmm. or like like connected. I I also want to com- mm-hmm. yeah I want to compare uh, this section to like the beginning of Worm. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels so much more like 
complex and weighty, yes, I yes. think. Uh, even though we fly by in time, it's like the, the stakes really do feel heavy yeah, yeah. from start to finish. There's definitely, there's absolutely definitely more like um, density to it, I feel like, of mm-hmm. like, we, we already have everything. We have all of that knowledge established, right? And now we're kind of like maneuvering around. Like we have, we, that what I was saying before of like, we have the world built, right? We, we know how, it, and then now we're kind of like mm-hmm. working within that um, even more so that. Yeah, it's so, something I found interesting with Worm. If you, so if you step away from it for a while, right? Uh, like I'm talking like a, a year mm-hmm. or something. And then you just randomly open a chapter and go to like the middle um, the prose really doesn't make sense sometimes, or it doesn't not make sense, but it like all of the detail has already been like front loaded. Mm-hmm. So like characters will like just walk in and out of scenes and you'll just get the name and not much description because we already know what Chevalier looks like. We know what Tattletail yeah. looks like. We don't, we, we've known what she looks like for 20 arcs, yeah. right? We don't need another des- description of her blonde hair and purple mm-hmm. costume. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's really interesting how because so much of it has already been inserted way before, we don't have to uh, c- come back to that at all. Like we have characters like Jouster brought in and all we get a reminder of is like, oh, yeah, he has a yeah. lance. That's all we need to know. And however you remember him, you, if you remember his his armor or not, like we're going to continue yeah, on, yeah. which I find. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty interesting how that works to me. Um, okay, that is that. It's that's our summary this time. Yeah. Uh, let's get into your speculations before we get into the questions, and then we'll we'll sign I off. Have... So, what are your speculations for the next uh, section for this very last for the ending yes. of Worm, essentially? Oh, I didn't think about it like that. I just did. I just did a lot of questions because I was I was doing a lot of thinking, um, but I wasn't really like mm-hmm. fully thinking everything out. So I just have a lot sure. of like half thought things. Uh, okay. First of all, is Cauldron, uh, because they set up the first not end of the world, right? So my question is, how do they manage this? Mm-hmm. You know, like and like are like are they perhaps the manufacturers of the Inbringers, which seems like probably not true. Like I feel like that's somebody else. You know, like I don't know, because unless they manuf no, well, I don't know, because I mean, I suppose they could be using then bringers to train people to for the end of the world but then that seems kind of s- silly i suppose like there has there's yeah, like, a lot of people died so. yeah it seems like too much cost it's a pretty harsh um, training yeah it, i feel like they have some other external source um that we're going to see hopefully um which makes me wonder like is the external source another pair of flapping beings or just like another singular entity like who have flashed onto the planet also who were like I mean, this seems nice. Like, that sort of thing. Like, or are they here to kind of, like, co-opt? I don't know. Like, do they have that sort of thing where they, like, interact with each other and, like, fight over a planet? And is that what's happening here? Secondarily to that, mm-hmm. what, like, there's all these, like, dead shards, right, that are still functioning? Is that, did I, did mm-hmm. I read that correctly? My question is... Yeah, so all these, those dead shards are the ones that belong to the thinker. Yeah, but, like, they're out and about, yes? They've already, they, like, mm-hmm. placed them in being so like where like how do we distinguish between the two of them and like is that yeah what does it mean for it to be is dead is that um what the f- glass glass dig wayne yes i feel like i pr- glass dig yes. Glastic glass i feel like i pronounce her incorrectly every time glass dig I, I i think i think you just 
you say it correctly and then you forget and then you get nervous and then yeah, you say it correctly. Uh, alas. But so is she the one, like, is she just collecting dead shards or like, is she collecting all of them? Like, what is she, like, it seems that she's, that's what she's doing, right? So like, is she going to play a role in how they're going to solve all of this or are they going to put them all together and it'll be okay? I don't know. Like, do they need to call somebody mm-hmm. else? Like, is like to come help this being? Like, what what is, what is the purpose of, of, you know, like... How are they going to save him? Like, is it going to be Taylor because she's the queen administrator? Like, this sort of thing. I don't know. And then also, like, what is Teacher up to in the birdcage? Because he seems to be, like, Mm -hmm. making plans and taking names and all of that. But, like, what's his ulterior purpose? And how does he tie to Saint and all of them? And, like, so many questions. And I have no answers. Mm -hmm. I find your questions fascinating. (laughs) I need to know. I need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to ask them now. I'm going to ask them a series of questions just about general ending uh, questions, okay. uh, because now is the last time I, c- I can ask them. Um, who do you think is going to die? Oh. I'm leaving that as, as open as possible. Not like, like name uh, out of all the characters that we have, who do you think is going to die? Hmm. Um, I feel like, I don't know. I don't want another undecider to die, but I feel like that is a possibility. Mm-hmm. And it's also a possibility that like, is that why Eidolon's power is decreasing because he has does he have a dead shard and he's like his power is like falling apart because the shard like hasn't been mm-hmm. does like does um i think or is he just uh, i'm not gonna say there there's there are clues in the text already as to like what his deal is who has who has dead shards like you could look at the sign points out a, like some characters in particular that has have dead shards yeah and but is there like a numerous amount or just like a few? Yeah. I think it's more than a few. Hmm. Mysterious. Yeah. I don't know then. Um, to go back to your earlier thing, if an undersider were to die, who would die? Probably Rachel or Brian, which is terrible. Yeah. And it would be very sad. But uh-huh. I also feel like that would be... Actually, no, I feel like Tattletail also, like, she keeps brushing with death. And I feel like she's, like, That's towing true. the line. Plus it would be mm-hmm. one of those, like, you know, foreshadowy things. That mm-hmm. would be a pretty good foreshadow, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You can only dodge death so many times. Yeah. Ah, gosh darn Grim Reaper. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, what else? I'm, I'm trying to think of questions without, like, hinting about yeah. anything. Because, you know, just by the, asking you a question, I'm implying something, mm-hmm. right? I was really hoping that Cherish would show up. And she didn't. Mm-hmm. It was just copies. And I'm wondering, is she going to show up later? Because, I mean, mm-hmm. she's got a bunch of people wandering around in her head who could be helpful. I mean, she did she did show up about nine times. Yeah, but, like, that doesn't count. She's, like... She's... Yeah, yeah. Wait, you're, you're not talking about chairs. You're talking about Butcher 16 or 15. I don't remember yes, which one yes. we're on. You know, she's all alone down there. Yeah. See? Oh, I guess she's not really mm-hmm. all alone. She's stuck with all of them. Yeah, what other characters do you think are going to come back? Um... I don't know. Death is a tricky thing in in stories such as this. So just to list off of like characters that I I can remember that like went off screen for a while. Um, I mean, we talked about mm-hmm. Cody in this one. I feel like uh, there's all of the people in the birdcage. <gasps> oh, I, think. I hope they right? show up. I feel like te- that's what teacher is sort of planning, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And then like that whole thing with Cauldron where they had this whole discussion and they were like, mm, no, it seems like it'll somehow be yes sometime soon. And I'm mm-hmm. waiting for it. Mm-hmm. 
Who else? Um, I think basically all the Brockton Bay wards did have shown up, but uh, not all the protectorate of My Brockton question Bay. is, when does um, Panacea show up again? Because I feel like she'll show up. I feel like she'll be important. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because she was the one that kind of knew things, right? And she like whispered them mm-hmm. to dragon. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's uh, that's one of the thing, one of the detail that happened is that um, we we found out that that scrambled message. The reason why a dragon couldn't look at it is because it was the code that made it so she couldn't look yeah. at the thing. That's how specific the Seamurg was. Um, and uh, Saint puts away that information to look at as soon as yeah. possible, but doesn't actually have time to really investigate uh, it yet. Saint, so ineffective. <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like she'll pop up again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Who else? I don't know. Well, okay, we'll leave it at that. Uh, and if you have any other uh, speculations, Clarence, you'll just say it next episode. Um, if y'all have any particular more questions you want Clarence to answer, you uh, and we're going to answer the, the, those are questions yeah. that we already have. You guys can go ahead and answer them because um, next episode's the last episode where Clarence has not read all mm-hmm. of Worm. So, um, I'm so excited. Yeah, and we have, we have two weeks until next episode. So you guys have plenty of time to ask them. Um, yeah, so... Um, okay, so let's get into the listener questions that we have right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, Daco three five two uh, asks um, uh, Daco three five two's question. First question is um, asking whether grieving regent is proper considering he's a murderer and a rapist. I said um, I was thinking that the fact that like the main person that we see who who is mourning him and kind of avenging him in like the largest capacity being like the fact that that's imp. I feel like that's justified i guess or like that that's proper um because like they had that connection but then i feel like and it's also because like he he does like i mean he doesn't have like a huge redemption arc but like he definitely like gains a a, a, at least a modicum of of i mean he never really feels remorse i guess but like he definitely yeah he he is not the person that he was at the beginning you know, like, I yeah. mean, he's... Well, I mean, that's his thing, is that once he got away from his father, he stopped his worst impulses, yeah, yeah. right? Like, we don't we don't hear about him, I mean, raping anyone yeah. again. I mean, definitely kind of, you know, sexually assaults a couple. Like, he feels up Sophia when he's in yeah. Sophia, and that's kind of fucked up. But um, other than just, like, the use of his power as it is... And even that's, I mean, fairly restrained compared to some other things. It, like, he's a lot better on his own once he has some agency. And I, I don't, it's certainly, like, not the place of an outside observer to determine, like, the full, that the, like, solid answer to that question yeah. really is more to, like, the victims. It, like, I mean, the question is, how do you forgive the unforgivable? True, true. Can you ever forgive the unforgivable? I think that's a, a question that Walbo thinks about a bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I was thinking um, as I was looking at this earlier, I was thinking about like he's not he's not like a good person, right? But like there's definitely aspects mm-hmm. of him that have like the potential to be good, you know, or like mm-hmm. or that he like embraces pieces of himself that he wouldn't have before encountering the Undersiders and encountering Taylor and Imp and everybody, you know, like there there yeah. has to have been like so, like a character growth and, and an arc to lead him up to sacrificing himself, you know, like that. That in the last yeah. moments of his life, he he was not thinking about himself; that he was thinking about Imp. Yeah, yeah. And and isn't that like how we should remember people? Just as like the totality of of 
what they are, not just any one aspect. Yeah. Um, like definitely not just their best aspects, but maybe not only their yeah. worst. Um, like I mean, that's how we should kind of view people in the past. Like people can do great things in the past, and we can appreciate those things, but also acknowledge how terrible the pretty horrible things yeah. that they were encouraging at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the importance of it is memory, holding on to all of it, and not just like mm-hmm. selectively remembering. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Deco three five two's next question is asking about how Taylor further justifies killing different people, um, as in like Tag, Alexandra, and mm-hmm. Aster. Um, it, like, I guess is that uh, proper? Um, yeah. Yeah, I would say her murder reactions should not be swept under the rug. You know. Like, yeah. I mean, the yeah. first two, right, with Tag and Alexandria, they were they were sort of this, like, combination of manslaughter and, like, crime of passion sort of thing, where, like, they happened really fast, mm-hmm. and then she, like, like went a little bit... I, I don't think she was, like, super intending to, like, kill either of them. It just kind of ended up being that way. Um, yeah. But then, like, the Astra moment was just, like, so cold and, like, unfeeling and, like, like coldly, like, departed from any sort of emotion, I suppose, that it's just, like just prioritizing like greater good or whatever you want to say like it was it was like Mm -hmm. coil but like worse her mentality of it Mm -hmm. um yeah and i feel like it's worse because of what we said before was she doesn't justify it she just does it which seems yeah horrible i don't know her her murdering i think is like a is a lot yeah yeah we also haven't talked at all about uh, the ethics of murdering all these Slaughterhouse 9000 clones and murdering all of those Nobog creatures. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, certainly necessary, but like, uh, the, the particular one that comes to mind is the Nyx clone that um, they're like, yeah, we'll free you if you give us information. And then they just execute yeah, her. Yeah, that was, oh. Um, yeah, there was a lot of like, I suppose it's very much, the, those were very much like um, the beings that Echidna made those clones. Yeah. I think so, but like I think at the very least that Nick's one certainly seems like they they are not single minded murderers yeah. like all. I mean, certainly a lot of them are, but not every single one. They just. I mean, if like if they cloned Cherish, mm-hmm. right? I, we we don't talk to one any of the Cherish clones, but like Cherish was almost uh almost not a evil serial mass murderer. I mean, she was, but yeah, she almost yeah. wasn't, right? I mean, also if like so. If Bonesaw didn't put those memories, that that particular life experience mm-hmm. into her, would she would she just not be a murderer? Like, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some definitely some ethical questions I think about just yeah murdering these beings. Not that their protagonist will uh, consider them. No, she's she's on a whole um, other tech. <laughs> uh, Zacho also uh, asked about uh, how well the, the time skip was was handled. I think we kind of understood yeah, that yeah. already, or, or we already yeah, talked we about that already, good right? Into that. Um, yeah. The, their next question, uh, they asked a lot of questions. We really appreciate yeah, that, Deco. Thanks. Um, asking about our thoughts on the role of the PRT. Are they a necessary evil and to what extent? Glenn is PR to the max uh, with the butterflies in the video release, and he definitely has a doubt for pair humans. Uh, we see how slow and prejudiced the whole administration is, but is that warranted considering pair humans are what they are? Power seek and find conflict. Yeah. I was thinking that. Um... The PRT, in my mind, is necessary to non-parahumans and sort mm-hmm. of like a hindrance um, that the that the protectorate are 
that they're kind of like unwilling to shed, I think, because because the PRT, like, they create that that slowing like the molasses of bureaucracy, right? That that slows the processes of like enough, right? Enough that some parahumans like take a moment to like reconsider their actions and like the full ramifications of their actions. And I feel like mm-hmm. that creates enough space for them to kind of think about why they feel particularly inclined to go do one particular like action or sort of thing. Like why are they drawn to to that like to find conflict? Whereas like I feel like that's why mm-hmm. Taylor gets so fed up with him is because she's unwilling to think about that. That the like the full mm-hmm. ramifications of why she's so drawn to conflict and why she's so drawn to like go seek these yeah. things out. Um yeah. But I feel like they're very integral to everyone else because they they create yeah. that I mean if the PRT mm-hmm. um yeah, they create that like stopper, I guess. Or like first obstacle sort of thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, if the PRT wasn't there, like, what power would the average person yeah, exactly. have? None. Yeah, nobody's nobody's an advocate for uh, them anymore. It, and it's interesting because, like, the the PRT kind of only has its power because the parahumans that work with it give it yeah. that power, mm-hmm. right? Like, basically, all of the parahumans, all of the protectorate could just not follow the yeah. rules. Like, they could all just become villains and vigilantes, mm-hmm. all of them. And the PRT would not, or just all non-parahumans governments would not really be able to do that much to stop them. Um, Like, certainly maybe on the one-on-one, but, like, overall, (laughs) uh, parahumans would definitely win. Um, So it's it's with that hegemony, as we talked about in in times before, that they're kind of, the parahumans are working against their own interests, but working for the interests of the majority by submitting to the PRT. Yeah, they sort of... They acknowledge that, that, like, power dynamic, I think. And, like, yeah. or the parahumans acknowledge the power dynamic and created something that seemingly um, balanced it out, even if it didn't, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, their last question is um, asking about your reaction for, uh, to, to Scion slash Zion. Yeah. He's just, he's, I, I just, I mean, I felt deeply that there was so much, like, like, solitude or like loneliness i guess in this book and i feel Mm -hmm. like he embodies it you know because he's like yeah he's he's existed with like the other entity for so long and now he's just alone and drifting you know and like literally Mm -hmm. like literally drifting which is so funny and great (laughs) the you know where i mean it's terrible but like because you know he's but um yeah, so it's just like his whole uh, life, like he has, mm-hmm. he's going through like a late stage life crisis, you know? Yeah. Open to yeah. anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, total side note, um, something that I have not thought much about yet is uh, how he's only like less than a tenth of a thousandth of a percent of what he yeah. used to be. Um, like all of his other parts are, are scattered and like what that means, because that like every single one of those parts or every single one of those char- uh, shards is like a part Ooh. of him. I mean, if you collected enough of them, would it be him or would it be <laughs> something else? That kind Ooh, of thing. That's a good question. So, also, why didn't he? Like, why yeah, didn't just, why didn't Sam mm-hmm. just go start collecting all the pieces again? Yeah, you know, mm. mm-hmm. intriguing. Yeah. So, speaking of, uh, Azazel Crowley asks, "Have you ever seen anything like the entity backstory before?" Um, I have been thinking about this all day, uh, and I think my answer is nothing this 
detailed and abstract at the same time. Because, um, like, I've encountered stories of, like, ancient beings, right, who are, like, looking to reclaim power and all of this, um, and authority and all of that, but, like, nothing quite this, like, both, both, like, f- like, like, shattering of its, like, liter- like, literally shattering of itself instead of just, like, duplication. So it kind of, like, knocks out any sort of, like, virus type thing. Because, like, it, 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 like, takes itself apart like a puzzle or something. You know, I mean, and I was thinking maybe Borg, but, like, mm-hmm. Borg collects pieces to put into, you know, like, the Borg, like, it, it, it doesn't quite, like, it doesn't quite line up correctly. And then, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the question is, or I think the answer is, no, I haven't. And it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it w- there, there'll be a lot more to talk about it once we actually like finish mm-hmm. Worm, but I think uh, the function of of um, J Maniac has a uh, w- one of the J Maniac has a uh, video um, asking if um, Worm is a deconstruction or a reconstruction, and in that uh, he talks a lot about the role of the entities as a world building factor and what it what it does to. Um, warm and making it feel like a more realistic setting and, and yeah. things like that. So, um, yeah, go watch that. It's on YouTube. He's, he's great. I might have already plugged this video before. I hope I have when I talked about deconstruction. I, I might feel not like have. you did. I meant to, but... Okay, yeah. good. Um, uh, I'm going to say, uh, just real quick, I, I've seen only one other place that was somewhat similar to this, um, and... Uh, I'll be talking about it on a on some bonus content. Ooh, how exciting! <laughs> uh, I don't want to. Well, I don't want to say what it is because it's like spoilers for the thing. But like, ah, alas, I, I have no idea how to hint about it without giving it away, stating it. So ah, uh. yeah. But if you know what the bonus content I'm planning to do is, you already know what I'm talking about. So uh, anyway, <laughs> um. Okay, that is what we have for y'all this week. Um, surprisingly, we didn't go five hours. Only only four, I I'm think, which is not, not too shabby. Only three hours, 40 minutes. It's probably going to come out to like a three-hour and, and, and change uh, podcast. That's, that's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. We skipped over so much. <laughs> but it's okay. Um, that is, it's inevitable yeah. talking about so much. Um, okay, so... Uh, what is happening in Doof Media, uh, Clarence? That's a great You're question. So, uh, yeah, thank you. So uh, today, actually, I am the the day this episode comes out. Actually, the day I'm recording this. Also, I'm gonna head off of this, grab a quick snack, and then um, hop on a call with Scott and Matt to talk about Akira, um, which is a hugely influential uh, anime movie from the '80s. Um, and I'm really excited for you all to hear that and and to talk about that because um, it's really it's a really cool movie. So. Uh, and uh, a little co- it's incomprehensible too, oh. so <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. I mean, that's it. the best source of the um, mm-hmm. And the book club uh, is occurring tonight, the day this comes out, uh, on the first 15 lives of Harry August. I think that's the title. I've said it enough times I it should is. remember it. So if you uh, are still reading that, you still got a couple hours, um, <laughs> or you can go back and listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you haven't started listening to it yet, We Want More is continuing on and covering Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality with endless interesting conversations. Uh, and, and I'm aware that a recap episode is coming up soon with some guests coming on. And that is a great way to jump um, forward if you just wanted to catch up right away. 
And um, also, as a separate thing, uh, aside from our shows, there is currently a Pale Reflections slash Decomposing Worm fan art contest uh, going on until August 21st, so two more weeks. We really wish we had announced um, the last episode, but basically we decided to do this this contest like the day or two yeah, after yeah. that episode came out, so um, we just missed that, unfortunately. But um, now you know. But, but yeah, there's two more weeks. Mm-hmm, now you know, and you have two more weeks to do it. That's plenty of time to do a magnus opus of art, of right? I'm sure. Uh, the theme of the contest is monsters. Um, so you can create a fan art from uh, of uh, worm, ward, pale, or pact. Um, no twig yet, unfortunately. Only doof covered um, things right now are eligible for the for the contest. Um, and I'm really excited to see what people comes up come up with because I love monsters very much. And of course, there's many, many ways that can be interpreted, uh, literally or metaphorically or else. Ooh. So you can look at the rules at the link in the description or at Doof Media under either the Decomposing Worm or Pale Reflection tabs. Um, there's a $100 cash prize for the winner and a $25 cash prize for the runner-up. And we'll announce when um, the voting for that begins. Yeah, very exciting. Um also, if you like our fan art contests and, you know, everything like that, that sort of thing, um, you should consider donating to our Patreon. Um, you know, single dollar a month or, like, whatever else you can afford, because um, it's through this avenue that uh, fan art contests and everything like that, like hosting fees, etc., that's sort of, like, all of that is kind of facilitated through that. And so we'd really appreciate that. Yeah, so you can go to patreon.com slash doofmedia and see all the great patron rewards we have. Um, for $10 a month, you can uh, go listen to that bonus content that I mentioned. Ooh. So, wink, wink, do that. Um, it's going to be me and Jarvis. Um, yes. Also, also, yeah. you should consider donating to Wowbo's Patreon. Um, first of all, because we should, we should support the arts. And secondarily, because it is from his head that all of this bursts forth. And we should show that him show him that we appreciate it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you don't have money for Patreon, we all completely understand. Um, and there's plenty of other ways to help us out. You can leave us a rating review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Uh, you can tell someone about Worm and insist that they read it. Again, you know, quarantine, people got to read stuff. Uh, again, uh, the method I usually do is just to start reading to them until they yeah. get hooked. And then, and then they have to read the rest themselves. It's It works sometimes. So that's my recommendation. Uh, and then they can listen to this podcast or whatever else. Um, if you want to uh, reach us or, and, and talk to us, uh, you can send us an email at decomposingpodcast at gmail.com or follow at Twitter for uh, first announcements. There probably will be an announcement that this is going to be a couple hours late, but it's going to be coming out on the correct day. Um, thank goodness. And bar extreme technical yeah. difficulties. Hurrah. And um, so you can send us a DM there or add us or whatever else. And of course, there is a the discussion thread, which would be the ideal place to leave your uh, comments and yes. things. So there you can leave your questions for Clarence for the next overview episode. Or, I mean, we if they're about the section, we'll, we'll answer it in the perspectives episode. And um, your themes and theories as well. So which we that's really a great like place. reading. Those were really interesting and thorough. And we very much mm-hmm. appreciate yes. all of the thought you've put into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I had a thing I wanted to say. Uh, so this last book is through the end of the end of the book. So um, I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm so excited! Yeah. I'm ready to know all of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Next next section is arcs 27 through uh, I guess 30 30 point X Teneral. I think that's that's how that is divided up. 
Um, but yeah, join us in two weeks on August 21st for our Perspectives episode. I'm very excited, by the way, because I have a lot of things that I've been posted noting every book, and now I'm like, I have finally, I, they're coming to the forefront. 